Hello. John. Dan Benjamin. How are you? Oh, my God. It's been so long. It's driving me crazy. There is so much that has happened in the time since we last spoke. I know for you because I'm an avid listener of uh, all of your other shows. Mm-hmm. So I've been keeping up to date with you sort of vicariously through the, the other show. Yeah. But we yeah, haven't done this show, one which for- seems- Seems like a lot of shows, doesn't it? That other show. Yeah, I mean, there's you cover a lot of ground. Uh, has it been a full month since you and I have talked? You know, I should have I should have looked that up. I'll I'll check into it right now. I'll do some research on that. And uh, so it's so crazy. It's crazy making. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. We did that show when I was in Los Angeles. So it hasn't December been December third, and today it- is January sixth. Oh my god, it has been a month. <laughs> It's so, that's so rotten. And what, you know what we've been doing? We've been depriving our listeners of the, of the regular experience. That's right. That's, we owe, we owe them four shows. We do. Somehow. We do. Right. We have a show, we do our show, and then we, for four solid weeks have, have failed in our mission. Uh (laughs) And I just feel like, and and even today you are making a special exception recording this show at an unusual date and time because you care about our listeners that much. And, and uh, Lord knows I do too. Well, you you know, you've got a lot of travel. You're heading out to, uh, to CES for the, for the coverage that you do each year of mm-hmm. all the new, you know, gadgets that come out. And well, I go to CES and then I also, <laughs> you know, go over to the AVN awards. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like a double, like a double coverage. Right. I go do my, you know, my demos of all the big screen TVs that I'm, that I'm repping. And then I go over and actually I present the award for best blowjob at the <laughs> APM. You're brand ambassador for both of those yeah, topics. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, if I'm going to rent a tux, I might as well get all the mileage. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, get, get it, take it as far as it can go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just changed the pocket square. <laughs> but you have, was it 25 boxes that you have? Oh, Dan, we started this, uh, this crazy idea, send me some stuff. And then, um, for the, um, for those of you counting at home, uh, I was uh, the, 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 the first error I made was to say, send me the things that you make (laughs) and then to leave town for a month. Right. And so all the boxes were stacked up outside the, outside of my office and they were impeding people's progress down the hall. And then uh, the manager of the building moved them inside and now they are covering a a small couch and there are, it's just an enormous stack of boxes. And I, I feel like we need to, we need to fulfill our promise to people, but I already feel like a month behind, right? Like everybody sent this stuff out in November and they're like, when is he going to get to my handmade key fob? Right. When is he going to say that my little, uh, embossed um put a bird on it potholder is the best that he's ever seen and i just oh that this pile is just staring at me like forlornly well for i think for those who are just sort of tuning in i think what happened was you had received a hat Mm. and described the process of opening it or the sock it was socks socks yeah there were socks and yes it was socks wasn't it right but there was a hat what was the hat about there might have been a You got a hat with like a little uh horse on it or something? A hat with a horse? <laughs> something like that. Sure. Are you sure I didn't get a horse with a hat? I don't know. I, I did you know, I got I got a I got a, a couple of lovely packages, a nice uh, a nice letter, um and some like some you know, some foreign money. 
and some stamps. Uh, and then that just precipitated. I got some Saudi Arabian money, which was a <laughs> sort of a big deal that precipitated this, uh, this idea. Like, well, if you guys are making stuff out there, why don't you just send it to me and I'll tell you what I think about it. Yeah. And then patouge. So anyway, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to hijack our show in the sense that there's so much that, that you probably have to talk about. But well, I'm, I'm most curious in what's in. So how do you want to do it? Uh, do you want to just do the whole next three, four hours just meticulously <laughs> opening Woo! each box? And when you open them, do you, I, I want to understand more because I, I enjoy speaking with, with artists and I know that there is something important to the way an artist creates. And I feel like you opening these boxes is different, you know, than the way I would open the box. Maybe you've got a special knife or something that, that you use and there's a history to the knife and why you've chosen that implement over another one when you open and do you, do you carefully cut along the tape or do you, you know, should we describe each box and the way you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, let's yeah, I get do. into it. I mean, you know, I, I do have a special knife that I use at home. Mm -hmm. It's a switchblade that I bought in Italy many years ago after I lost my Spyderco knife on the beach during the, the uh, con film festival. Oh. I was like, I lost my Spyderco knife. I'd had that knife for a long time. It meant a lot to me. It TSA was take it or how'd you lose it? No, no, it? no. I was, I was on the beach. I was laying on the beach, having a beach day with, with, um, with my peeps. And then it slipped out of my swim trunks or something. I mean, I, I, all I know is that I had it and then I was getting on a train and I was like, wait a minute, where's my knife? And the only place it could be was buried in the sands of the beach there on the, you can't the Mediterranean. You'll be one of those guys with a metal detector walking yeah, around. You that's right. Looking for, never know what you might find. 20 years later. And it was the, it was the Spyderco police model and I'd had it for years and years and it had, you know, it, had, it was, a, it was a great knife. So then later on I was in Italy and I found this sort of wonderful switchblade, which are, those are legal in Italy. And so I bought that and that's the knife I keep by my bed. Well, that's open. one of their primary exports. I right. Think. <laughs> right. It's olive oil and switchblades and it always has been. Uh, but so now, unfortunately I'm at the office. Maybe one of these boxes has a knife. in it. Oh, see, uh, because that seems like something that, but how will you get that box open if the knife's oh, well, inside? Oh, so what I have here, embarrassingly <laughs> is a pair of shears, like a big pair of scissors. And I don't even know how I got these, but they say Ikea on them. There's a <laughs> giant pair of Ikea scissors and it see they, they seem an, I would say that they were an unfit implement for this job, mm -hmm. except these Ikea scissors have, have stood me in good stead. They have been a good tool. I've used them quite a bit. They, they have remained sharp. So I'm not going to diss these just because they're from Ikea. I'm going to say, no, you, you are good. You're good shears. You're good for this. Right. They're there. You might as well use them until they break. But I'm looking at this stack. I've got, so I've got three stacks. Some of them, one of them is just from Amazon. I don't know. Maybe some, maybe somebody was like, my stuff's available on Amazon. So I'm just going to order it for you. And then it's like the, they found your wish list and it could just be that. Well, I don't really have a wish list. There's a lot of priority mailboxes. There's a FedEx box. A ton of envelopes, which I'm not sure are whether those are going to contain like checks, man. Checks, you think? Yes, that's I, your royalty I, money. I think they may be Christmas cards. Oh. I'm not sure. 
So how do you want to proceed? How do you want to do this? I've got, I've got my, I've got my table here. I've got my shears. I've got my stacks of boxes. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways we could approach this. You could start based on like the date that they were sent. So you could look at the, you know, the, the stamp on the. Yeah. I feel like that would take 20 minutes just to figure out. We could go, we could go size biggest to smallest, biggest to smallest smallest. to biggest. Yeah. I like that. Oh, and by the way, happy new year. Hey, happy new year to you. And, uh, you know, I remember the week between was a, a, a crowd favorite at my house. The video of you with, with, uh, in the sleigh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Playing the ukulele. Playing the ukulele. And we watched that many, many times. Each time I would have to t- promise that both of my children, I really knew you. <laughs> because you're I'm on, gonna... you're like a star on YouTube. And I know, I, I know him. I'm going to come to your house one day. Oh my God. And I'm going to sit in your living room and play all these songs on the ukulele. Mind's and then, blown. Yeah. Then your kids will just have to, they'll just have to reorder <laughs> their understanding. So true. Uh, well, and for, and and for you, right? Uh, it, the week between really should be the two weeks between, at least this year, because Hanukkah was over by what December tenth. Yeah, I don't know when they move it. Well, they move it every year. That's the thing. They move it. It's like <laughs> it's different. But it's they don't move it like Ramadan, where they move it all over. <laughs> all right. They just move it within a kind of a a fairly limited range. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to find Hanukkah in March. No, no, no. It's almost always December, I think. Yeah, 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 pretty sure. Um, all right, so well, I say big to little. Start with the biggest one. Oh, okay. Start with the biggest yeah, one. Yeah, big. See? Go big. See, that's the that's a good that's a good rule. All right, the biggest one is down here at the bottom, of course. That's where you're going to put the big one. Okay, here we go. Well, let's see what I can tell from the outside. It. Well, it costs $18.70 just to mail this box. Is it heavy or just large? Um, it's large. Not not a, not super heavy. Now, do you want to do something where you kind of guess? Like, do you want to shake it and guess what's in it? Mm, I don't. I think it's going to be too hard to guess based okay. on. It's just a square box. It is from Huntsville, Texas. Oh, right here, right around the corner. Yeah, that's it's from Huntsville. And um, it is... The packing tape is sort of sky blue, and it has little leaves on it. It's like a, but they they don't seem Christmassy. It's just like a little, it's like sky blue packing tape with little leaves on them. Okay, all right, here we go. And this is and two and two and a half hour drive for me to Huntsville. And I have to say, uh, you know, no offense to the person that did it, but it is sort of inexpertly taped. <laughs> it's taped the way I would have taped it is to say pretty shoddily. So that gives me some indication of the personality personality of the of the sender of the maker here. Right, right. They just wanted to get this thing out to you. Yeah, yep. They were like, get it done. All right. Now, uh, also, the box is is sealed by um, that method of kind of overlapping the flaps it's not, you know, it's the overlapping flaps method of sealing a cardboard box, which makes me think that this box has been repurposed. This is a box ah, that they found in the garage. Okay, here we go. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Oh, wow. What? Well, inside is a hand-knit pillow of an owl. 
it's it's knitted like a like a big sweater, but then you turn it over, and it's a enormous fat owl, with big <laughs> owl eyes and a little owl beak and little little owl wings. But it's the shape of a pillow, like wow. a like a pillow that you would have on your bed, which is where this is going immediately. I get it. It is so beautiful. I cannot even describe it in words. Do you think your girl will see this and immediately claim it? I can't imagine that anyone will see this owl pillow and not... Not want it. And not not only not want it, but not envy me for having (laughs) created a world of the mind where this owl could have been created and sent. It's a Texas owl. Yeah. But it's like a very, it's a very loose knit. It's like, you want to think that it's... You want to think that something like that wouldn't be comfortable, but it's actually very comfortable. Oh, so how, how ins- big is, is it? Like the full size of like a bed? It's, a, it's the size of a bed pillow. Wow. It's, it's giant. Is there a card or a letter or a note or? Anything? So inside there's a book called a beautiful question, finding <laughs> nature's deep design by Frank Wil Wil Wilchek. I think it's Wil Wilchek. I see. I see it. I'll, I'll tell you and what. Inside I'll, the book, I'll is put that in, the, in our show notes. Five by five TV slash roadwork slash fifteen. The little silver seal. Silver seal has either a check or the letter V on it. Looks more like a check. <clears throat> Dear John, I made a thing for you and hope that it finds you well. This owl is guaranteed to be friendly and is one hundred percent free of feathers because this person knows that I am allergic to feathers. Right. 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 <laughs> it's it is free of weaponized pathogens, free of voodoo curses, hidden cameras, and gluten. He All the worst some stuff. Reading material for the trip and says you're welcome to take a look at it when he's finished. Enjoy and thanks for everything. Your internet associate, Patty King. Wow, isn't that lovely? That is like uh, I don't think that Patty King is trying to sell these owl pillows. I think she made this Just especially for, for this for this event. That's special. Very special. It's, it warms my, it warms my heart to no end. It's like, um, already, I think this is already better than you were expecting. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a smart book, a very nice letter from a very nice person. And then this spectacular pillow. Um, and what's crazy is now that I look at it more closely, just the little tops of the owl, the little corners have been fashioned into little owl ears. Oh yeah. You wouldn't notice it at first, but they're just little ears that have been sort of knitted there. Are you mm. a fan of owls? Cause I know that owls have, I remember in the seventies, my mom was always, everything was sort of an owl and she was always crocheting owls. And you know, my, mm-hmm. my, my dad worked at temple university and there, the team there is the temple owls. And oh. so we were, we were an owl, family mm-hmm. and i know that alien abductions often people are imagining owls are you a fan of owls naturally Did i lose you again oh how about now Can uh, you hear me now? better yeah i uh, just unplugged my different thing and unplugged my Fireface thing uh, and then I just hot plugged it, which back in the day you weren't supposed to do, right? Yeah, you, you can do that hot now. Plug. Oh, yeah, hot plug is now. fine. I hot plugged the shit out of it, and then everything <laughs> came back. 
Um, well, so I remember the macrame owl era. And uh, I, I had no particular connection to, to that style of craft. There was an owl that lived in the tree behind our house when I was little. Or, or so you think. Well, right. At the time, all I, all I knew were that owls were owls. Yeah. But then I had, had a kind of a famously um, unusual experience that I talked about early on on Roderick on the Line, which was that I woke up in the middle of the night in my room and all of my pillows, my bed pillows, and I had, I had a number of pillows on my bed, and they all were owls. And it was like, it wasn't a lucid dream. I, I was very sure that I was awake, but that all the, all the pillows were, had turned to owls, but they were still the shape of pillows. They were just owls all on my bed. And some, you know, pillows had fallen off my bed and they were on the floor, but those were also owls. And they were all sort of not staring at me aggressively, but they were just there around me, sort of vigilant. And I thought, I mean, I recognized that that was very unusual, particularly to be awake right. and have that experience. Uh, and I decided that... <laughs> Are you opening another box? Well, I'm getting I'm getting started because this box is very well packed. These are great sound effects. Um, and by the way, this is this would be episode number 26 uh, of Roderick on the Line. Go practice the car, right? And that'll be in our show notes also. If you want to. Um, but uh, but so I decided that there was nothing really for me to do except roll over and go back to sleep and trust <laughs> that these owls uh, had it under control. Right. <laughs> because it's not like I was going to get up and shoo them away. Uh, no. And so what I did was I reached over and grabbed the nearest owl and cuddled up to it and uh, like put my head on its soft downy feathers and uh, went back to sleep. But in the morning, I, I, I realized that that was a very unusual experience. But at the time, I had no, I had never heard that owls uh, posposedly represented UFOs. Right. In the UFO abduction community. Right. And so I was just like, well, this is an unusual experience. I had all these owls in my bed last night. <laughs> and then, you know, people were like, you what? Well, you know what that means. And I was like, I, it seems to me like it means that I have uh an open window somewhere, at least. How did all these owls get in and where were my pillows? Uh, so I, I still haven't interpreted that, but I think that's where the, that's where that owl pillow comes from. Okay. Next package. <clears throat> this is the second largest package. It comes from. Hmm. So the label here says that it went through Decatur, Alabama. Okay. That seems to be the only indication of where it's from. Decatur, Alabama. Mailed from zip code 35603. 35603. They have misspelled my name on the outside. <laughs> with, they've put an extra D. They're just getting into it. But that's not, you know, there's no crime in that. That might have been a post office mistake. All right, so opening it up, <clears throat> inside there is an envelope, a photo-style Christmas card, a, 
again, like a light blue box. There seems to be a theme. And the light blue box it's is Tiffany's. It is. A, it's the Tiffany color. Yeah. Or a little bit greener. Uh, but then the box is kind of packed very cleverly. I didn't think about this. I've never thought of this before. But it's packed with a, like plastic grocery bags as the, like the, it's fulfilling the role of the foam peanuts, right? Plastic <laughs> grocery bags, just a ton of them in there. Is it what grocery store? Oh, let's see what they say. That's a good, good idea. Um, Publix. Oh, Publix, my favorite. Yeah, Publix. Worked there many years. Now here's a, here's a couple of Walmart. So it's kind of evenly split between Publix and Walmart. Okay. And then <clears throat> taking the box out, it actually is a Tiffany's box. Ooh. So when I said it was a little greener than Tiffany's box, I was wrong. It's actually the exact Tiffany's color. <laughs> it's a big, big Tiffany's box, like bigger than a pair of shoes, bigger than a shoe box. Okay. I don't know what you would get from Tiffany's. It's too small to be a lamp. But it's taped... It's taped closed with scotch tape. So I doubt that it came that way from Tiffany. Right. And also, interestingly, you know, normally if I were using scotch tape, I would just put one piece of scotch tape all the way down the, the crease. But they put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten little pieces of scotch tape up and down all across the front right. of the box. Sure. Okay, here we go. Opening the Tiffany's box. Got some bubble wrap. Got to just pop the bubble Yo, wrap for a second you here. Can't, you can't not do that. Okay. Right. I'm doing the bubble wrap. It's wrapped and wrapped. And there's some more bubble wrap. Ooh, smaller bubble wrap. Little bubbles. I'm wrapping the smaller bubble wrap, and there's more small bubble wrap. I got enough bubble wrap to last me a year now. Okay, more bubble wrap. This is going to be one of those things that's like <laughs> two inches long. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh dear. Something sounds broken. Oh, it's broken. What was it? Well, let me see here. i got to be careful now because I'm covered with... Broken glass. Um, hold on. Broken. They, I mean, they couldn't have packed this better. Yeah. With seven different layers of protective tissue, but still the shippers managed to break it. Did it come USPS or was it a... Um, yes. Yeah. US... Postal Service, Parcel Select. Hmm. Okay, now carefully unwrapping it. It was, it was a globe, not a not a uh, globe like an Earth globe, but a a sphere, a sphere, a, a, a very delicate glass sphere, and inside was a little man. <laughs> Was like a little woodsman. Oh, little woodsman, and he is intact. The woodsman is intact. The globe around him is gone, but the woodsman is 
A very weird little piece of folk art. It's like he broke out of there. He who is made out of his head is a walnut. And he's his legs and arms are like dried prunes, maybe. He's wearing a little what appears to be a kind of German uh, mountain villager costume. He's got a little felt hat. Little suspenders. He doesn't have suspenders, but he is carrying a uh, he's carrying a beer stein. And on the and on the other side, he has a hook for a hand. And he has a he has a stand. He has a stand which is like a little felt stand. And oh wait, 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 wait! He's a music box. Wow. <laughs> so that's his little stand that he sits on. What's amazing about him is that he is, he's fine, except I, there's another clue here, which is that there are pieces of pretzel in the glass rubbish. <laughs> and it makes me think, I, I can only conclude that the other hook in his little prune hand because he has in the one prune hand he actually has a stein of Lowenbrow and so the I, I conclude that the other hook contained a pretzel he's a little German man who was eating a pretzel his head is a walnut I don't know what it could possibly mean I've never seen this particular uh kind of little creature is it it's not a nutcracker right i mean it's no 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 this is some kind of i mean i, I i've spoken over the years at length about the sort of german tendency to be outwardly christian but secretly pagan yes and um and so you know you go out into the the forests of germany and there's all this weird tree worship which i guess like Druids. All, yeah, sure. <laughs> Nobody knows where they came from. Um, no one knows who they were or where they were going. <laughs> but uh, but with the Germans, it's more, it's less about the, it's less about Druids and more about like the Volk. But this guy seems like taking it to a higher level. It's not just that he is one of the tree folk but he's literally made of nuts and and he's drinking a beer all right let's get to the bottom well, of this. A, so, a, a quick search online mm -hmm. turns up something an article uh on bellaonline.com entitled german culture site <laughs> and this article is called germany's dried fruit people uh -huh. now because i am better at Yiddish than German, I'm going to try to say this, but it, 
Zweitgen Menla. Zweitgen Menla. Prune men or prune people, originally prune boys, have been around since 1790, were joined by prune girls, Zweitzwen Weibla, uh -huh. one of the most popular traditional German handcrafts, although as good luck symbols, especially around Christmas and Sylvs Sylvester, New Year. Uh, they are plum people. They're about six inches tall. They're made from dried plums, figs, raisins, and nuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does that sound? I, I can't believe that I got the plum part right because these, these plums are so desiccated that they, <laughs> I mean, I have seen moose turds that were healthier, <laughs> look that looked more edible than these little dried bits. But I just guess they were plums. Because literally, what else could they be? If you have your phone handy, I just sent you a picture of what's in this article. Does, is that anything like what you have? Well, uh, let me see. I don't have my, I don't know where my phone is. Oh, it's over there. Let me see here. Then I walk across the room and try not to unplug myself in the four different ways. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at my phone. <clears throat> I hope this is interesting to our listeners. I, I guarantee you it's a very it's, interesting. It's very interesting to me. Yes. Um, okay. The little prune people that you sent me. Whoa. Don't turn your phone sideways when the, when you're looking at prune people. <laughs> um, well, okay. So yes, that is very much like this guy, except they, yes, it's very similar. They seem much more like East European. They look like they look like little German prune people from the border of Poland. <laughs> this guy this guy seems more like a prune man from from Bavaria or from like oh. the, the Schwarzwald or um he's he's much more of a he's not so uh he's not so Slavic looking. He's much more like Black Forest guy. Well, how is he inside of the of the sphere? Well, this is the thing. I can't. I cannot picture what his glass enclosure was. But he's tall enough that I think it must have been one of those like tall, elongated bubbles. It couldn't have been like a. It couldn't have been a fish bowl. It had to be like a tall bubble. Right. Anyway, here's a letter, Mr. Roderick. My daughter picked up the enclosed item at a yard sale a few years ago in Decatur, Alabama. We have researched this and cannot find any other example of this. This could very well be an original handmade one-of-a-kind item. Although you asked for people to send homemade items, we didn't create this item, parentheses. We as a family feel we should forward this item to you for your collection. Maybe this could be your next big thing. <laughs> we lovingly call him Prune Man. He appears to be made mostly of prunes. And believe he would have been a better origin for a Soundgarden song than Spoon Man. <laughs> well, I think a Soundgarden song called Prune Man yeah. would have been a much worse song, frankly. <laughs> because, you know, Spoon Man actually played the spoons on the Soundgarden song. And Prune Man, we know what that would sound like. I know you mentioned you were writing lyrics again. Maybe he will bring you inspiration. Oh, that's nice. He's like a little lyrical talisman. Uh, this, by far, is one of the weirdest items we have ever seen or owned. Uh, he has been in the house for many years, and we do not believe him cursed. Thank you. Your mileage may vary. 
Do with him as you wish. We pass him on to you with only love in our heart. We love all the great shows and the kids even listen to some of them. That's nice. Oh, yeah. With love, the Walter family. And then there is a card with two delightful young people who both appear to be preteen young people, mm-hmm. but, but very close, verging on teens, uh, a boy and a girl. And um, I think the boy is older by just by, by looking at them and they seem wonderful. Um, thank you, the Walter family for this very unusual little prune man. I'm sorry that the container broke, but that is because the world is going to shit. Ah. Uh, but I, but he's, but he is intact minus his pretzel and I'm going to put him over here so that he can look down. And if I'm ever at a loss for, Lyrics, I'm just going to turn his little knob, if you will, and, um, <laughs> and maybe he will give me, he'll give me lyrical inspiration. And I will also have the great inspiration of finding little shards of glass in my carpet for the next year. Did you uh, recognize the song that it played? I didn't. And I'm hoping that someone on the internet will have recognized that from that little snippet. Yeah. What, you know, is that the Furalese? <laughs> or some other song that I only know about from books or is it, yeah, there's glass all over here. That's going to be hilarious. Fortunately, it's not like I come to my office and walk around barefoot, but you could vacuum it. Well, yeah, but that would require that I have a vacuum here. Maybe you know there's I'll, one in one of the boxes. I'll borrow a vacuum from somebody <laughs> or maybe you're right. Maybe there is one. Okay. Wow. Owl pillow. And Prune Man. Yes. Plus a nice book and some, and some good letters. Okay, next up. Again, down here at the bottom. This box is very much the size of a shoebox. And it is from Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Do you know, can you tell me what part of Pennsylvania Bethel Park is? Yes. Uh, Bethel Park is, looking this up now, it is in part of the Pittsburgh metro oh. area. All right. So western Pennsylvania. Seven miles southwest of Pittsburgh. Population 32,000 back in 2010. So a, so a sizable community south of Pittsburgh, rolling hills. Um, it's an affluent borough, hmm. but it's uh, 11.7 square miles. Mm-hmm. Big elevation, big uh, 1,197 feet above sea level. Well, so the box looks like it was once don't think it's an Amazon box, but it's definitely, it has served another life. A, Re, a repurposed box. It's, it's a repurposed box. You seem to frown upon that. You, I think, I feel like you want an original box. Well, no, it's just part of, it's part of like understanding what's going on In the inside life. of, oh, right. it, yeah, people are like, oh, I, you know, here, I'm going to send him this thing. I've got this, I've got this box. All right. And it's got, it's, it's fairly well taped, professionally taped. And then inside is actual sort of professional seeming air 
called Air Plus by Storo Pack. Poppy, poppy bags. Okay, now inside is a, oh my goodness. This is not a handmade thing. This is just straight up a gift. What is it? This is a, this is just a plain old gift and it's great. It is a Stanley thermos. Oh, nice. A Stanley thermos in a very large size. It is the, what size? It's the growler size of Stanley thermos. 64 ounces. That's just a Christmas present is what that is. Yeah, really? I really like it. Okay. Here oh, is, is that? Okay, I'm looking at this thing. Does it have a big handle off the side of it? Big old handle. Yeah. So the other day we went skiing, and we have a smaller Stanley thermos in our family, but it doesn't belong to me. And, uh, and the thermos was filled with hot chocolate in the morning, and we went skiing and forgot the forgot the thermos left it in the car and we paid for night skiing so we were skiing until about eight o'clock at night oh, that sounds and fun when we got back to the car you know everything was just cold it had been sitting there all day and we said well let's see if that hot cocoa made it all the way like let's see if it's got a little bit of warm left to it in yeah. other words we opened the thermos and it was still too hot to drink. Whoa. It had been sitting in this thermos all day long and it was like you had to blow on it to take a sip. So I am a firm believer in these products. Did you get the 64 ounce or the 32 ounce? The 64 ounce. Ooh. This thing is like, this thing is a power, it's a power thermos. All right. Here's what, here's what the letter says. Hi, John Roderick. Thanks for the podcasts. Thank Merlin and Dan for me too. I've learned a lot. Exclamation point. Also, I'm absorbed in the conversation, and also, also, I laugh a lot. This is to show my appreciation. If you'd rather have something else, you can go to REI and tell them it was purchased on, oh, my goodness. This person is an employee of REI, and she has given me her employee number. Whoa. So if I, went, if I wanted to exchange this thing, which I definitely do not, I could just go and give give her employee number. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep her employee number sa sacred. Uh, and it says, then she says yours truly, but then she continues. So that wasn't the end. Tell them I it was purchased on employee number blank. Yours truly. But then she keeps going traded in for whatever, but I really hope you like this. Thanks again. Exclamation point. Jen Braun. Also, I was on your trivia team at Max Con East. Oh, cool. That was a blast. I remember Jen Braun. That was a, uh, we had a very fun time at Max Con East in a strange, creepy, old, shining-like hotel. And uh, our trivia team did not win, but we were champions nonetheless. Sure. You know what I mean? Oh, like I totally we were, do, yes. I, I went to that trivia event thinking... I don't usually do this type of thing and I don't actually even want to do this one. And I got there and realized that I was a team captain, which I didn't want to do either. Mm. But then my team made me feel like we were really pulling together. And by the end of it, I felt like I would have gone into, I would have gone into battle with those guys with that, that little crew of kids that were going to like, we were going to change the world. 
but we didn't even come in like third or whatever we were. We, we had, we had a lot of, we had a lot of giftedness, but our giftedness was not specifically about answering the pop culture trivia questions that we got that day. Memories. Right? Memories. But now, to commemorate it, I have this wonderful letter and this fantastic thermos, which I will begin to employ immediately. What do you think you'll put in there? Soup? Coffee? Mm, I think I, well, I feel like to put coffee in that, this yeah. is the... This, so like this a is whole the, pot of coffee and going yeah, in right. There. This is the thing that I, that I, this is the, I had this insight back when I smoked cigarettes that like, if I could see all the cigarettes I was going to smoke this week, just laid out in front of me Mm -hmm. with a little note that said like, here's your week's allotment of cigarettes. Get started. You got to smoke through these cigarettes. Mm -hmm. I would have been appalled at myself, right? right? If, if, if sitting in my living room at the time I had seen all of the cigarettes I had to smoke for the rest of my life. Like the exact number between now and when you finally quit smoking, you have this many cigarettes to smoke. So you better get started. I think I would have quit smoking immediately because that's disgusting. Right. But when you think about it, like, Oh, I've only got four more cigarettes in my pack. Oh, I'm running out. You know, it kind of keeps you rolling along. It's a sense of urgency to it. Yeah. You got to get down to the store and you don't want to run out of cigarettes. But the, uh, if I put a whole pot of coffee in this Stanley thermos, it would be kind of like, you're going to drink all of this coffee today. <laughs> it's not a thing where somewhere time in the afternoon, you're going to say, you know what? I should, I'd, I'd like another cup of coffee. I'm going to roll over to somewhere and get a cup of coffee. No, it's like you are committing to drink 64 ounces of coffee today. And I don't know if that's good for me. So I'm going to have to maybe soup. It wouldn't have occurred to me to put soup in this. I don't know. Anyway, I'm super thrilled about that. Thank you, Jen. What a, what a, uh, what a de- delightful gift. Okay. Next largest box. Okay. Now we're getting into some dimensional stuff, right? Like tall and long versus short and fat. I'm going to go with this square box. All right. I'm surprised that very few of these boxes are heavy. They're all they're all pretty light. And there are also a lot of envelopes. I do think those are Christmas cards, but you're right. They might be full of gift certificates. Okay. You never know. And you, you won't know, but I feel like the excitement's got to be in the bigger boxes in the bigger packages, even though, well, you know, the, the other ones could be letters. They could be gift cards. They could be handmade cards. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is another post office priority mailbox. So we already have a sense of what that entails. It's probably broken inside. <laughs> oh, uh, this is from Graham, Grand Rapids, Michigan. All right. We're getting a nice distribution across the country, right? We've had Alabama, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and, um, uh, and the first one was California, right? Was that from, yeah, it was from Paso Robles or something. Beautiful, beautiful place, Paso Robles. Have you ever been there? I think I have. I think I have. Um, Okay, so now I'm opening this box. It is, uh, it is packed with newspaper. So what have we seen so so far? We've seen um, 
We've seen bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. Do different kinds of bubble wrap. We've seen Publix and Walmart bags. Right. And now uh, newspapers. Newspaper. So a lot, of, a lot of different styles. And there's a letter addressed to Mr. John Roderick, and it's right on the top. So I'm going to open the letter first because okay. it seems like that's how they had it planned. Letter sealed with one piece of scotch tape. Okay. There, there are four stickers. They're all the same. They say, that's unfortunate. The original, that's right, big letters, that's unfortunate, then smaller letters. The original artisan fortune cookie. Oh. Our signature collection, handmade cookies, accurate fortunes, authentic ingredients, artisanal happiness. No. Oh. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> really? Yeah. Each one of those, each one of those uh, little uh, little snippets there had a period at the end. Our signature collection, period. Handmade cookies, period. Mm. Accurate fortunes, period. Those aren't exactly full sentences, but they uh, they did have periods. Okay, and then on the outside, around the outside of the sticker, it says, Fortune, you made Ryan Gosling very angry yesterday. That was your, that's your fortune? Uh, that was the fortune printed on this sticker. Huh. And then website is that's unfortunate dot biz. <laughs> and the Twitter handle is at that's unfortuna. Mm. All right. Now here's the letter. Stapled to the letter is a business card from that's unfortunate. The original artisan fortune cookie from the desk of Troy Rymink. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Attention, John Roderick. So this is, and this appears to have been typed on a typewriter. Really? So I'm already intrigued here. Definitely typed on a typewriter, but but it was an electric typewriter. I'm going to call it out as an IBM Selectric. Oh, man. Dear Mr. Roderick, longtime listener, first time unsolicited mailer, please find included for your gustatory enrichment a set of one dozen Art is anal fortune cookies. Since 2015, our company, That's Unfortunate, has been the world's leading source of small batch fortune cookies. Each of our signature collections showcases, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Each of our signature collections, and both of those words are capitalized. So, signature collection. Mm. Showcases a unique farm-to-stomach recipe crafted with love and local paren. Lee purchased. Oh, I see what he's saying. With love and local ingredients or locally purchased ingredients, if you will, mm -hmm. by one of our certified pastry artisans. It's very disruptive. He's saying that these fortune cookies are disrupting. Right. Big fortune cookies. Fortune cookies, uh, second paragraph. Fortune cookies should be a source of moral clarity and prescriptive life guidance, not befuddlement. This seems like their mission statement. Right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If, well, I'm not sure where they're getting that. Should fortune cookies be a source of moral clarity and prescriptive <laughs> life guidance? What do you think, Dan? I, I, I say no. Well, I say that's, no. That's unfortunate is convinced that fortune cookies should be these things, but certainly not befuddlement. Come on. 
As such, our team of clairvoyant life hackers, wait a minute, stands firmly behind the accuracy of each fortune. So he's saying that these fortunes have been clairvoyantly produced. Mm -hmm. Just for you. Just for you. So when you bite into one of these fortune cookies, some like ESP lunatic from Grand Rapids, Michigan has foreseen this hour and has made, has made this fortune just for you. Yes. This, this, I don't know. This seems like a, like a cult. Uh, clairvoyant life hackers stands firmly behind the accuracy of each fortune, please. And here's, here's some indication of, uh, of it being typed on a typewriter. It, he initially typed P E E A S E P's. Oh, right. But then he went back and put an L over the e, first E. So please enjoy our product and go boldly into the light of each new day, fortified and nourished with flavor and wisdom. Wow. Thank you for your time. So, yeah, boy, uh, Troy has really uh, drunk the fortune cookie water mm-hmm. of, uh, of the, the whole marketing plan of that's unfortunate.biz. Yeah. But I do, do you feel, feel... Do you feel marketed to somehow? Well, not, not really. I mean, it, he's definitely... He is making a weird thing, right? That's, well, that's one of the things that we... Yeah, you wanted uh, something handmade, and you got yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, what are you, what are you kooks making? It's not all going to be wallets and handbags. It's fortune. It's Michigan fortune cookies. Okay, now here's the here's what I have received inside this box: six little Chinese food containers, each presumably with how many? Um, well, he's saying there's. So there's what only two fortune cookies per box because there are 12 fortune cookies and they are in there. Don't you feel you should eat one? Well, I do, but I, but ever since New Year's Eve, I've, I'm, I've decided I'm gluten free again. Oh, you get you, you're back, uh, back on board. I haven't got, I haven't had any wheat since the new year. All right. I'm opening one of the boxes. Oh my goodness. Okay. Now we're talking. The fortune cookies are individually wrapped in tissue. (gasps) <gasps> and they're gorgeous. Wow. They're gorgeous. They look like little crepes. They look like little crispy crepes. Mm. And they do not smell like fortune cookies. They This one is like sort of cinnamon flavored. It's really actually a super beautiful thing. Um, who is going to love these is my daughter who has decided that fortune cookies are her favorite cookie, which seems weird to me. But then we don't let her eat chocolate. So, right. oh right. In the absence of chocolate, maybe fortune cookies are the best cookie. But those, she's going to love. But here's the problem: I'm guessing that the clairvoyant fortune makers did not foresee that their cookies were going to be eaten by a four-year-old. And so, I bet you, their artisanal fortunes are all. Mm, Maybe not blue, but certainly snarky. Mm-hmm. You may have to. You may have to verify it before she can. She read. She is. She's starting to read. Yeah, but I don't think she's going to. Again, based on the language that Troy used in his letter, I think that the fortune cookies are probably going to have some longer words. Right. Some. They're going to have some deeper concepts. Some ironical uh, humor. 
but we'll see. I think this will be a great test of the clairvoyance of these uh, fortune cookie makers, because if I were to eat one right now and it said something like, this is the year that you're going to complete your masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I might be like, whoa, maybe the, maybe they were clairvoyant. Maybe this is the year. But if my daughter opens a fortune cookie and it says, this might be the year you're going to make your masterpiece, I'm going to be a little bit dubious because four-year-olds don't make masterpieces. No, not, not yet. So uh, I'll report back about, the, about how the fortune cookies are received. How are you doing, Dan? Good. Are you, still, are you following along? Are yeah, I mean, I've, I'm taking notes. I'm ready okay. for the All next right. one. I feel like that one w- was... I feel marketed to somehow a little bit. You if do. I if I can be completely honest about it, I feel like uh, compared to the gifts that came before it, well, but that was sort of like the Disney ride of the gifts so far. Whereas up until now, you had sort of like you had a hay ride, maybe you had a sleigh ride, uh-huh. you know, maybe you rode it on an elephant, and now you're like in you know Tomorrowland going on the the roller coaster. Well, except that the initial pitch that I made was not send me Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, if you are an artisanal maker of things, send me your products right, and I'll test them out. Sure. Okay. So, so in fact, he was a- absolutely following the letter of the law. Okay. And the spirit of the law. And also he has an artisanal fortune cookie company. Like he's not, he's, th- these are not, wealthy people right he's even if he sells even if he sells those cookies at five dollars a pop yeah, what's the margin on a fortune cookie do you think i don't know i mean and and he's he's in grand rapids michigan which i mean i've been to grand rapids and i don't think of it as like being the center of asian cuisine in america <laughs> right so unless he's really spreading these cookies, like unless he's sending out semi trucks of them night and day, I think this is a labor of love. So also this is so embarrassing because that letter is dated November 14th, 2015. This is December 6th. Is that right? December 6th. Yeah, we are on, we are on the 6th. Yeah. So it's like, ugh took so long to get here it's been sitting on my sitting out in front of my office for two months all right well before you open the next one yeah we have a sponsor Mm -hmm. and the reason i want to mention it right now is because the that's unfortunate dot biz site when i looked at it there are uh there are subtle subtle cues to me as a longtime squarespace user little little giveaways uh, because you could do so much with Squarespace that it can be hard to tell that the site that you've made is a Squarespace site. But because uh, they've been a sponsor for so long, I'm I'm intimately familiar with everything. Li- literally, I'm like a walking uh, encyclopedia about Squarespace, and I and and there are certain tells, and mm-hmm. uh, and and I I viewed the source. I had to view the source, and indeed, that is a Squarespace site. They are selling their stuff, these fortune cookies. Uh, and and marketing them with Squarespace, so I thought, you know what, this could be our perfect segue That's in, into doing a Squarespace ad. And they have made a, the Squarespace themselves such fans of the show that they have made a URL for our listeners to go to to support the show. 
It's squarespace.com slash roadwork. Awesome. And if you go there, just visiting the URL, that's a way to like say, thanks, John. Thanks, Dan, for doing the show. But if you go there and you like what you see and you want to make a site, you want to sell fortune cookies or uh, little uh, prune men or whatever it is, <laughs> you want to go and, and you want to sell that or you just want to host your podcast or you're a musician and you want to put your music up there or you have a, a restaurant or a blog or whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it with Squarespace. It's amazing the kind of customization that you can do. You can start out and you don't need to know any HTML or CSS or any of that to make a beautiful site. You pick one of their templates and you just dive in and go and you start having fun with it and you make a site that works the way you want it to work. And there's a code. If you, uh, if this is your first purchase, you're going to get 10% off if you use the offer code roadwork, one word. And uh, everything's beautiful. I mean, you, this site, this site looks like they spent a million bucks. It looks like they went out and hired Razorfish or whatever to go and build them, uh, build them a beautiful site. But right, but they were just diving into a template. Yeah, they they spent, you know, whatever eight bucks a month, eight bucks a month. Come on, that's it. And they it gives, it gives you the e-commerce stuff. It gives you everything. Good gravy. So go go to squarespace.com/roadwork. Sign up using the code Roadwork. Save ten percent. And we sure do appreciate Squarespace for supporting this show. Let me ask you, Dan, as a Squarespace ninja, right? What was it about that's unfortunate dot biz yeah. that gave you the subtle clue that yeah that it was a that it was a Squarespace joint the pantomime? Uh when you there is a certain way on on the template that they're using. There's, you recognize the template. I recognize the template, I think. And I'm if I were to hazard a guess. No, I want to hazard a guess. I don't want to get that wrong as to guess which template it was. But I've seen the template. I've used mm -hmm. the template. And when you scroll, it has that really cool parallax scrolling effect. But when you scroll and, and you get past a certain point in the page, the menu bar scrunches down, squinches down. Huh? to reveal a, a smaller version of itself so that you have more space to see the screen mm -hmm. as you scroll. And the, the little icon, the, what we, I think we call it a, a meat stack for the expandable menu bar and the little feedback envelope up in the top. I just, I recognize those and, uh, and that action of scrolling down and indeed viewing the source saw with Squarespace. So it was, it's sort of Squarespace has a scroll squinch. On the screen, on this template, they do, yeah. This this template is a sort of a. It's, it was the squinching that you recognize. Yes. Yeah. Screen screen scroll squinching. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's spectacular. And uh, Squarespace has been a great friend. They are to us, and uh, and that's wonderful. And what a what a lovely coincidence, or maybe not a coincidence. Maybe a Squarespace has taken over. Yeah. All right. I think they are. And, and uh, hooray. I love that they have a road work. Um, yeah, just for, our, just for our listeners. And by the way, johnroderick.com is a Squarespace site. That's right. Squares, uh, pretty much everything that I do now is, is uh, funneled through Squarespace. So nice. they could be, they could be uh, using the other uh, use of the word squinch. They could be squinching my <laughs> data right. and creating like a, like a facsimile of me somewhere. Right. Right, like a like a golem made of made of uh, mud, 
in the attic of their Squarespace. Was it, uh, I was like telling that story to my boy about how they he put the name of God on a little piece of paper under the tongue of the golem. Mm-hmm. He loves maybe, that story. Maybe they're putting a little it's bit a of that story. That that's unfortunate <laughs> fortune cookie clairvoyant paper under the tongue of the golem of me they're making in the Squarespace <laughs> synagogue. <laughs> and he oh, is going right. to He's going to come out and he's going to, uh, he's going to distribute justice to everyone. That's where he, uh, doesn't he charm all the brooms and, and then the, the brooms are carrying little pails of water or is that Mickey Mouse? I think you're thinking of it, Fantasia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the same. But, uh, the Bible, Fantasia, it's the same in my mind. It happened. I learned about it before I was 10. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> if, if the Gollum really wants, if he really wants to wreak havoc on the old town of Prague, he'll... <laughs> He'll animate some brooms. Sure. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, all right. Next box. Now, Dan, this is very curious to me because this box appears to have just come straight from Amazon. Um, and it is from North Las Vegas, Nevada. And opening it, it's a little bit bigger than a shoe box. And inside I find some of this same Air Plus by Storo Pack. bags and then inside the amazon box is another box <laughs> do they do this a lot does amazon put oh and this second box is relative to its size very heavy okay you want to guess what this is let me see here second box very heavy no markings on the outside <clears throat> Opening second box. Also very professionally taped. Seems like it was taped by someone that has taped thousands of boxes before. Mm -hmm. So you think this is a direct from Amazon shipping thing? I do. Yeah. Now, opening the second box, I am hit with a wave of peppermint smell. Ooh. And inside, there are six little... Secondary boxes, each of which each each one of the six boxes appears to be two smaller boxes taped together for a total of 12 boxes. And on the outside of the box, it says. Stop wasting soap! (laughs) Exclamation point. (laughs) With stack infinity soap. Oh, yes. Stack soap. You now have a place to put that last remaining sliver of soap right into the groove on your new bar. Yes. The combination of our innovative waste-free design and sustainable cruelty-free ingredients ensure that each bar is created responsibly and consumed completely. Save the world one bar of soap at a time. Save the world. Wow. That is that I am on board. I am on board with the idea that using this soap right. is going to propel us to a sustainable future. Yeah, I, I've used this stack soap. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it comes in like peppermint and uh, and the, there's another one that's like uh, jasmine. Mm-hmm. But the peppermint is their blue boxes, right? They're blue boxes. Yeah, and, this is good soap. And there's 12 of them and they're all they're all peppermint. And... Then it repeats that same stop wasting soap message in French. Fini la gaspillage de savon. 
which makes me think that they're made in Canada, right? Right. Oh, wait. No, no, not made in Canada. Made in the Canada of the United States. Stage. Made in the Canada of the United States, which is to say Vermont. Uh-huh. So made in Vermont, but somehow this is shipped through Vancouver, B.C. The company is from B.C. Huh. But it came to me via Las Vegas. Okay. And the name, it's not very clear. Is it like a gift receipt or anything like that? Oh, wait, 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 wait. It's written in tiny, tiny, tiny letters. I never would have seen this if I hadn't really been searching. I think that this is, okay, here we go. Hi, John. I have to read this very quietly because it's written so small. Hi, John. I designed these special soap bars, which never wear down into unusable piece. I think it got cut off there. (laughs) Which never wear down into unusable piece because they nest, in quotes, into the specially shaped next bar. The soap is therefore 100% utilized. Nice. I hope you like them. The, The... the implication is that the person who sent these to me and wrote this note is the designer of stack infinity soap bar. So that could either be Eric a Noreen, right? A R I C Noreen. We, we were, we talked to uh, Eric at one point. You and I did. No, uh, we, we, (laughs) we here at the, at the home base. Oh, so Eric, spelt with an A, just sent me 12 bars of his own design, mm-hmm. stackable soap. That is right in the wheelhouse of this whole project. Yeah. This is some, arti- this is some better mousetrap soap made cruelty-free in Vermont, the, the, the weirdest of all American states, shipped through Canada. Via Las Vegas. And I am going to, and, and it should be further noted, I am totally out of soap at home. This is perfect timing. Totally out of soap. And I have, three, I have three bathrooms and a kitchen. And I've basically just been using, um, I've been using shampoo as soap in the shower. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the kitchen I've been using toothpaste. I'm not exactly sure. No. I'm not sure to what I've been washing. To wash your hands? I think it might be, it might be hand lotion. It, who knows? It, it really seems like, it really seems like washing your hands is kind of overrated. Don't you think, Dan? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different episode, I think. We have fun. All right. Those are spectacular. Thank you, Eric, for the wonderful soap. All right. Now, but that doesn't, that didn't feel like there's no, no, like, marketing happening there he no. was just and i'll tell i'll tell you what that's some good soap he was just hum, very humble like here's some soap that i made kapow yeah he just like dropped the soap just pow dropped yeah. the soap yeah okay now not, the not too drying that's the thing you got to worry about it's not too drying All right i'm gonna open this next box because it has been kind of munched hmm The box has been munched, so let's hope that it is not damaged, whatever it is. 
Uh, this is a medium flat rate box from uh, the United States Postal Service. It has come from Sean O'Connor in New York, New York. Floor five. And it appears that his address indicates that he works for Bitly. Bitly is a uh, is a company that I, I've used quite a bit because uh, it, we use it for the Roderick Rendezvous series. It was the it was our URL shortener right. that I, I read aloud every week when I gave the link to the next ticket buying. All right. Okay. Inside is a tote bag that, in fact, does say Bitly, the power of the link. <laughs> Yeah, and that's their had, that's their slogan. Unleash the power of the link. The power of the link, and on the tote bag, it has a little blowfish, like a little puffer fish. But I've seen puffer fish over the years, many many times, and this is the happiest puffer fish I ever saw. <laughs> okay, now here's the letter written on Bitly stationery. Bitly, the power of the link. Hilariously, it appears to be stationary that they use to write kind of like form letter replies to people because right. it has printed on it already in blue ink. Thank you! Exclamation point. But then it's written not on a manual typewriter, but on by laser printer. It says, hello, John. Recently, I was listening to Road Work episode 11 and heard your mention that you like to receive packages from fans and listeners. Accordingly, here is my humble submission. All right. Next paragraph. I've listened to both Roadwork and Roderick on the line from the beginning. Every week I look forward to the crazy stories and new thought technologies. A particular highlight that inspired the contents of this package was a while ago you mentioned that you would do a live reading of a bit.ly link at the small live shows you were doing in Seattle a few years ago. So there we go. It all circles around. Being a Bitly employee, hearing this warmed my heart and made me proud to have another awesome place where our service gets used. I literally would read it aloud like B-I-T dot L-Y slash, you know, I just read the numbers. Sure. It drove people crazy. But that's kind of the point of that show. New paragraph. As a small thank you for all the great podcasts over the years, excellent music and Bitlink readings, I've included a few pieces of Bitly swag. Now, this is a question I have for you, Dan. I always... Say schwag, S-C-H-W-A-G. But I have noticed that people also write swag, S-W-A-G. Which is your preferred usage? Well, I mean, again, I like I like schwag, S-C-H-W-A-G, again, because I'm I'm most comfortable with, if I can take it into a Yiddish (laughs) kind of sounding word, I'm, I'm, that's my, my wheelhouse. Right, but I feel like swag is probably the the more approved way to say it today. So let's go get some swag down at the conference mm-hmm. hall before we mm-hmm, call mm-hmm. it a day. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna plant a flag here, if I may. Yeah, uh, I don't want to try and boil the ocean, but I do want to open the kimono, <laughs> and that is to say that <laughs> I I feel like. Uh, I feel like uh, road work listeners should go forth into the day understanding that our approved version of that word is schwag, S-C-H-W-A-G. And if you want to say swag, 
that's fine. You can go get some swag and go get crunk with it or whatever. But we don't say swag here. We say swag. I think swag has a whole different meaning. I think it does too. And I don't, and I don't approve of that meaning. Swag. Swag is the free stuff that you get. Yeah. When you Promotional go to a, items. Yeah. Free stuff. Swag is like fancy bling, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you have swag on your, on your, on the back of your jeans, it means that you're a member of the 4-H club, but it also means that they are swag. Yeah. Swag is free uh, giftola. Yeah. All right. I, th- I feel like we've established no, that. No, that's, that's, a, that's a proof positive. And I agree with you that in any instance where there is a, a, a pronunciation or a usage of a, of a term that can be Yiddishy or not Yiddishy, always take the Yiddishy oh, yeah. option. Yes, yeah. always. Okay, last paragraph. Keep up the fantastic work, and if you ever have any questions or feedback on Bitly things, please let me know. Again, thank you. Sincerely, Sean O'Connor, Director of Application Engineering at Bitly. His email address is Sean at Bitly. And it doesn't need to be bitly.com because it's .ly, right. dummies. Bit. It's already its own thing. And what is L, what is the, what is L-Y? What is dot .ly? Dot Lysistrata? Uh, Lysergic yeah, acid? No, um, it is Libya. Whoa. What? Libya. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I learned something today. Yeah. Are they Sean a Libyan at, company, do you think? Sean at bit.libya. I don't think that they are a Libyan company. I think this is something like uh, registering your ship in the... In the uh, Faroe Islands or something like that. Okay, P.S. If you're ever in New York City, let me know. Would love to show you around Bitly HQ. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that type of thing. Okay, now opening the Bitly bag inside is um, extra large. Better be extra large. Or I'm gonna... Yes, it is. Oh, it's double extra large. Wow. Thank you, Sean. Oh, man. He, he knows you well. Well, but he, but I think what he expects is that this thing is going to shrink. But it's an extra large shirt that's there, double extra large that says the power of the link and then the Bitly logo. Okay. It is strangely covered with cat hair. <laughs> it's either covered with cat hair or they passed this shirt around the office and every single employee of Bitly rubbed it on their head. No. Really? Yeah, it's covered. It's like covered, covered with cat. Or like, like crazy hair like all different kinds like like white beard hair and curly hairs 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 hey no yeah i'm sorry look at i'm just i'm here to tell the truth as i see it there are a ton of little bitly stickers small little round ones and then you're not put off by the hair well i mean hair you want to know how much you know how many dust mites are are like going in your nose right now. Yeah, but they're your dust mites, you know? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I trust that everyone at Bitly, if they did in fact pass this shirt around and rub their heads on it, <laughs> I feel like they're all, they're all good people. And if this was Sean O'Connor's cat that decided to sleep on this t-shirt before, uh, after he put it in the box, but before <laughs> he sealed it, I, yeah, that also feels like a little gesture of love. Are you the kind of guy, if you go and buy, I know you, you do a lot of thrifting. Yeah. 
when you go and buy something from there, uh, do you, do you wash it first or do you put it right on? So I always wash everything first. If I get a new garment at a store or if something comes in the mail, Mm -hmm. it always goes in the wash because I have no idea what kind of chemical process it's gone through in the making. Like, and I'm, and I'm, Frequently, like people scoff at me for buying something new at a store or getting something in the mail and just saying like, no, I'm going to wash it first because they, their perception is that it's brand new. Right. Clean from the factory. Yeah. Clean from the factory. And I'm like clean from the, from like the, the bleach wash right. or clean, clean from the, I mean, who knows if they put this in a, in a decompression chamber with mercury gas. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's happening at this factory. So yeah, I would wash it. I would absolutely wash this shirt and I think I'm going to wash it in hot to try and shrink it a little bit. And then also in the bag is a pair of bitly branded orange Wayfarer style sunglasses uh, that I will probably give my daughter. Yeah. And then some other stickers of the bitly blowfish except done in kind of eight bit graphic style. Uh So altogether a charming, a uh, little group of things only marred slightly by the, by all the hair. But for the most part, for the most part, a wonderful collection of bitly swag. And now, now you tell me because I have used bitly quite a bit over yeah. the years. Does is, is bitly in the startup family where it still feels like a small scrappy company or is bitly have they become like the, the big, <laughs> the big cheese, the big IBM of URL shorteners. Yeah, I think they are the big IBM of URL shorteners. They've, even though, even though saying that is they're still small, right, I okay. think they're still really small, but they have some bigger partners. Adobe is one of their partners and things like that. So, I mean, they're in, in his, I think they're at the peak of success for a URL shortening company. Okay. In as much as that's that means. Well, you that's know. the thing. I mean, I have some big partners too, and that has never made me <laughs> not still the little guy. If you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I still have it stuck in in my head from that week between video. How you're talking about that guitar, and you you really want that one guitar? Yeah. Like that's, I'm still thinking about that. Well, that I'm not trying to guitar, change the subject, but it keeps, it keeps coming to my mind. That one guitar is very hard to, to find, very hard to get a hold of. And I think I may have even passed, I may have missed my opportunity to get that guitar at a reasonable price. Um, what would be was, reasonable for that specific guitar? Do you well, think? that's the thing. It, it was never reasonable. I mean, when that guitar was $3,000, I was buying guitars that cost $300. Yeah. So it was like $3,000. Back in like the late eighties, probably. Yeah. Why would I buy, why would I spend three? You could buy a car for $3,000. And which is it? Which one is it? Well, it's the Gibson ES 350 T, but there are two versions of the 350 T. The earliest version of the 350 T had a very round, um, bottom arm. Uh, what, what, what do you say? What is the term of art for guitar? You know, like a Stratocaster has two horns, right? The top horn is yeah. a little bit longer than the bottom horn. Yeah. 
And on a big hollow body guitar, you have those, you have the same horns or, or in place of those horns, usually the one on the top just sort of connects with the neck, kind of like an acoustic guitar would, just a big round bubble and it just goes straight into the neck. And then the bottom's cut a little so you can get your, your fingers up to play the high notes. That's right. The bottom is a little bit, a uh, little bit shorter, but on the original 350T, that bottom bout is very rounded and sensual and feminine and, you know, this sort of gorgeous thing. And then later iterations of the 350T had a very sharp uh, lower bout where it came to a point, which was much more popular later on. It kind of looks more like a Les Paul. Yeah, much more like, like a Les Paul. And I don't like that. I like the curved, elegant, early sort of version of it, which was late fifties. And then later on, they went back to making the 350 T with the rounder bout. So you can either find the earliest ones, which now are 25,000 or $30,000 or the later ones, which are still seven, $8,000. And they're not currently being made at all, right? No, they're not made at all because the Gibson company has lost its way. So there's no chance of getting one of these things. And probably if I had had $3,000 at the time that they cost $3,000, there were other $3,000 guitars that would have been better investments. Mm-hmm. Like they would be worth more now. Um, but like the first time I ever considered buying a Les Paul, it was a 1974, like um, burgundy Les Paul. And it was $400. It was at a guitar shop in uh, Sandpoint, Idaho. And I was like, $400? Come on. And it was this beautiful Les Paul. And at the time, 70s Les Pauls were considered not that great. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, leave aside what it would be worth now, which it's not like worth, it's not like it would be a house payment or something, or it's not like I could buy a house with it, but it would, you know, be worth several thousand dollars. But just, I could have had my own Les Paul that whole time. Mm-hmm. But instead I was like, well, this other guitar is, you know, this harmony is only a hundred dollars or $89. So I have a lot of regrets about the guitar equipment I didn't buy. We could do a whole show on guitar but you know all of that is just like talk about the regrets of just not buying a bunch of apple stock at some Mm, point seriously or netscape come on one day remind me to tell you about the first guitar that that i actually purchased which was in the shape of the united states of america oh you had one of those i did oh my no way i had a chance to buy one of those too and i thought oh that's ridiculous i'm not gonna buy that but I have regretted it ever since. My mom, I'll tell you the story now since it's quick. My mom had, I was either 14 or 15 years old, and my mom had a an original mid-late 60s Martin juggernaut, which she had uh, cared for lovingly by keeping it in our attic in uh, in South Florida. That's a nice place to keep a guitar. For many, many, many years, to the point where the neck had warped itself pretty bad. Uh Sure. Sure, because it was 140 degrees up there. (laughs) And humid. And humid, right. And 
I, uh, I very badly was trying to, trying to play the blues. <laughs> and my first, because of, you know, I, what I could afford at age 14 was a harmonica. I was yeah. learning how to bend notes on the harmonica. So imagine my family listening to me alone in my room, bending notes on a harmonica. Eventually my mom came and said, is harmonica really what you want to play? <laughs> I said, no, I really want to play guitar, but I don't have enough money for a guitar. She's like, well, you know, I have a guitar. It's up in the attic. And I said, oh, you still have that? Because I remembered it from when I was a kid. My dad used to, you know, play like folk songs and stuff. And uh, she, you know, we got it out of the attic and she said, oh, you know, you can learn on this. The strings that were on it were the same strings that had been on in it while it was up in the attic for all those years. Sure, and I, Jimmy Hendrix played on it. Yes, and I couldn't understand why I it was so hard to fret any notes at all anywhere. And I thought, well, I guess I guess this is what they mean when they say you're you know you just got to get strength in your fingers and build calluses. And, <laughs> oh, total torture session! Oh my gosh! And for you know a few weeks, I I was trying to play it like this, and it just got to the point of frustration. I'm like. I don't know how to do this. It's just, you know, so we took it to the guitar store. Somehow we had enough sense to take it to the guitar store. And the the guy there looked at it and he's like, well, the reason it's so hard for you to play is, you know, the neck is warped and the strings seem fairly old. And I, said, <laughs> I said, yeah, mom, when'd you put the strings on? She's like, 1979 probably. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, can, can you fix the neck? And the guy said, no, you, you really can't, you know, you, you could replace the neck and that would be fairly expensive to do. And, and, uh, that it would, you know, it would not keep the integrity of the guitar. And I said, well, what, what can we do? He says, well, well, I'll give you credit for it toward another guitar in the store if you want. And the guitar that spoke to me was shaped just like the United States of America. And it was, no, now, wait a minute, what did he say again? That replacing the neck, about replacing the neck? No, he said that if you gave him this... I would give him the guitar. I would give him the, the Martin Juggernaut. Yeah. And he would keep that, and then he would do something with it, sell it, keep it for himself. I didn't... We, I never questioned his integrity. Right. Just, it seemed very much like he was taking pity on us by taking away this old and worthless right. late 60s... Juggernaut. Right, 60s Martin. Right? Yeah. Because those aren't worth anything. I mean, we all know that mm-hmm. at age 14. And he would take pity on me and give me credit toward another guitar in the store. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, and the credit was not, I mean, it was, it was maybe a hundred, $150 maybe. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have many options in the store. And one of the options that was there was a used, guitar that was in the shape of the United States of America. And it was made from very heavy wood. It had a a pickup in it. And I mean, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to play Led Zeppelin. So I knew I needed an electric guitar for that, unless I was going to do Led Zeppelin three, but I wanted to play Led Zeppelin one and two, not three. So this guitar that was shaped like the United States of America became mine and I took it home. And that's what I learned to play guitar on for a while. Dan, you need to tell me right now, where is that guitar? The American, the shape of the American? It's gone. Right. Oh, it's gone. It's long gone. How did it, how did it leave your possession? Did you? 
I don't want to say because you'll just be very angry at me if I tell you. Well, I mean, I can't be angry at you. You'll it all be angry. No, you will be angry. It all happened long before I long before I got uh, got on the scene here. So <clears throat> I I traded it for an Ibanez that had skull stickers on it. Oh dear, I am very very angry. You see, <laughs> very angry. That is just that is very bad. <laughs> right. I mean, not that the American. Not that the American guitar was usable. No, right? it was not. It was not. But I wish but, I kept it. I should have kept it. It had a humbucker in it. Like, yeah, it was It was something that now you would be like, ha ha, I have this guitar. Yeah. Whereas the Ibanez with the skulls on it, you, yeah, that's just firewood, right? Oh, yeah. No, that, that went away too. Um, well, that is a wonderful story. And I want to congratulate you for having a good, like, rock and roll American rock and roll guitar story. Yeah. Um, that's not, you know, not everybody has that. Not everybody has that under their belt, right? Some kind of story about a guitar that they own that they regret. Yeah. I like regret every, most of my guitars. Every guitar player I know has got at least one story of like, oh, either something that slipped through their fingers, something that they had and lost some like opportunity missed it's like oh that one guitar oh mm. but like, i feel yeah. like i feel like you do like you you need that guitar you need that guitar yeah but where am i gonna get an es350t like one time one time a, a a good friend and a listener uh offered to buy me that guitar if i would use it to finish my album and it was a a listener of the program who, you know, has the resources to accomplish a thing like that. But I, first of all, I did not feel, I didn't feel that I could accept that uh, amount of, of gift from somebody that was just like, wow, how incredibly generous, but also like, that seems, that seems like a gift I could not possibly accept. That's and also, a, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. And also I couldn't guarantee that I could finish the album I was working on. Right? right. I was just like, I, what if I, what if I accept this guitar and then I can't finish the record for other reasons? Yeah. I would feel awful. So, so I said no. And, um, see, I just, here's the thing. I feel like there, myself included, that there's enough people out there right now, certainly just listeners of this show, but between, all of the the podcasts you do combine and Twitter followers and Instagram followers in there that there's enough people, <laughs> Seattle voters. Don't forget that. Yes. Yes. Who could chip in a dollar or two? Well, yeah. You know what that, I'm saying? That, that, I, uh, <sighs> uh, yes, yes, yes. And that I, way, that way you, you might. And, and if the promise wasn't, well, we, we expect a damn album out of this, but if the pro, if the promise was more, we just, we know John needs this thing maybe more than he wanted his passport back. <laughs> oh no. I wanted the passport back more than anything, okay. but, but second, yeah, I, close I, second <laughs> thing is that I, I love, I love the love that I get from everybody. And I just have a very hard time uh, imagining like that the, that, the way that we show love to one another is to 
is to send money. But Although, it's not sending money. It's, you know, it's that's the grandmother that's uniting the old... you with something that, that you want and can't can't find. There are so many things I want, though. I want to, you know, I want to be able to live a life of leisure in a hammock on a beach somewhere. But you do that already. Kind of. That's I'm just true. looking. I'm looking at pricing on these things. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they are thousands of dollars. Yeah, thousands. But here's the thing. Like, I, you know, I, I, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm constantly astonished by the number of, well, first of all, in recent months, Right. Like a year ago, I knew one billionaire, which was Paul Allen. And I have had I've had multiple experiences with Paul. I've been to his house. Paul and I have sat and uncomfortably chatted numerable times about various things. Paul Allen introduced me to Dan Rather, who it turned out I loved. I would you know, if Dan Rather had offered to take me home with him, I would have gone. I would have given away my whole life and just gone and lived with Dan Rather. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Paul Allen was the only billionaire I'd ever met. And so whenever I thought about billionaires, I thought about Paul Allen and the choices that Paul Allen has made. And I was always like, well, you know, I don't know if I would have made those choices. I don't think I would have bought the Seahawks. I don't think I would have certainly wouldn't have bought the Portland Trailblazers. I wouldn't have developed property around Seattle the way he has done uh, this, uh, the city of Mercer Island, I think, denied his application to have a helipad put in his house. So he bought a, a yacht, cut the top off of the yacht, built a helipad on it. And now when he wants to land his helicopter at his house, he just has someone drive the yacht into the lake. He lands the helicopter on the, on the yacht, the flat-topped yacht, and then they bring the boat in and dock it That's at his house. So just crazy little bit of a little, little bit of switcheroo, but, but you know, you can tell which house is his on the lake, not because it's big, because it isn't, you know, it doesn't stand out in the, in, I mean, he owns a whole compound, several houses, but what the way you can tell which house is his is that it has this crazy flat yacht parked out front painted bright white, which is his like weird helipad. The point being that was the only version of being a billionaire that I knew. I didn't, I don't know Bill Gates. I I know Bill Gates' dad. Uh, Bill Gates Sr. was a good friend of my Uncle Cal, so I've met him multiple times. And meeting him was like meeting a statue of Andrew Jackson. <laughs> like there was no, I would say words to him, and he would look at me like a, like a statue of Andrew Jackson would look at a pigeon. And so I was just like, Okay, well, I'll just go stand over here by the bar. Wow. Um, not not because he was, it was just he was an old man who was living in this utterly other world. Yeah. Like, I've never met Bill Gates, but I, but Paul Allen, I know. So he was my billionaire, the one billionaire I understood. Well, in the last six months, I've met a handful of billionaires because I've been down in San Francisco and somehow one you know, I'd been down there a lot. I'd met a lot of these people before, but now all of a sudden I was meeting them and I understood who they were. I guess that's what it was. Maybe I've met them a bunch before, but they were people, they were, you know, guys in their forties that came up and said, Hey, I love the program. And I was like, thanks bro. But like the last few months that's happened a few times. And then someone else has come up to me and gone, do you know who that was? And then I'm like, Oh my God, who is he a killer? Is he a, <laughs> is he a murderer? Why are we talking in whispers? And then they would say, oh, that is billionaire X. 
And then I'm like, oh, whoa, he's like a, he's like a guy in his forties and he's a billionaire. And then I, so then it was like, I talked to that person. I know they are not like Paul Allen or at least not yet, but they, they're just sort of walking around San Francisco in like J crew clothes, kind of doing some, doing more computer business. And I was like, if you're a billionaire and you're not living on an aircraft carrier, like I'm not talking about take the top off a yacht. I'm talking about buy a decommissioned aircraft carrier and park it <laughs> off the coast of Los Angeles and fly everywhere in an airplane that you had designed for yourself. Right? Like you're a billionaire. You're not a, you're not a hundred millionaire. Like I think about a billion dollars. You could give 90% of it away to charity and still be the craziest rich person in the world. But none of them are doing it. None of them are taking advantage of the opportunity to be totally bonkers and like awesome, right? Like super villain style, just bananas. And I don't get it. I don't understand. What is it? What is it in the software water that the richer they get, the more like norm core they are. Can you explain this? Well, I'm, you're, I don't, I don't know, but I think it, my guess be not being in that category of wealth and not really knowing anybody that well, mm. but I think it's almost like, well, okay. So it could be guilt in the sense of like they almost feel bad that mm -hmm. that that they have what they have and and they don't want to flaunt it because then that would make them a bad person so they go the the other direction. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's part of it. I feel like it, it it could be sort of the um they want to hide in a mm -hmm. way. Okay, so people hide. don't don't really know who they are, what they have. I mean, a friend of mine who uh, runs uh, still runs a website that became very very popular and who has made a whole lot of money. Um, was telling me that as soon as it sort of becomes known that you have money, that people come out of the woodwork. Oh, creeps! Perhaps with n not necessarily expectations like, "Won't you just you know pick up lunch or whatever?" Not like that, but more just people come to them they become easily identifiable and people will come up to them and, and either perhaps want to pitch them things or ask for their involvement oh. or try to get their time or interest or yuck. Yeah. Or, or draw them in, in, in some way to something that they're not really interested in. Sure. So they just want to be, they just want to blend in. Yeah. So they can come up to guys and say, I love your podcast and then fade into the J crew colored woodwork. Right. And nobody yells at him. Well, you know, years ago, in the early days of the long winters, we were playing some show. It might've been new year's Eve. And, uh, and the band went out and started rocking and I was still backstage getting ready, you know, to come out and say, hello everyone. It's, it's long winters. Woo. <laughs> and I had a Cape that I had purchased at a, at Merlin's favorite Walgreens. <laughs> and so I put on this Cape and the band was like down to down to down to down to down to down to down and then i come out on stage <laughs> with this giant cape on was it like a cloth cape or a it was like a velvet cape wow 
And I had sunglasses on, big, big, big sunglasses. And I was like, yeah, come on. Woo. And the Seattle audience was like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, it did not lift the roof off the place like, I, like it should have <laughs> like done. Like you thought. And then at the at the and then I took the cape off and whipped it around and th- you know and then played a great rock show. But at the end of the night, a guy came up to me who was a who was a very established rock and roll rocker, a successful professional rock guitar player, and he said, "You know what? When you came out on stage on that with that cape, it was the coolest thing that's happened in Seattle in two and a half years, and nobody knew what to do. Wow, nobody could handle it because it was too cool. And I was like, you know what?" I've been waiting for somebody to say I was too cool for so long. Thank you for that gift. And he was like, yeah, that's the problem. You can't bring that level of cool to Seattle because they just don't know what to do. If you were somewhere else, (laughs) if you had been in Berlin, the place would have gone bananas. (laughs) But here everybody like looked down at their shoes and were like, I don't know why I, you know, like, I don't know why I feel this way. My underwear is wet all of a sudden, like get me out of here. And, and so you, so you got nothing. Yeah. I was just like, that's, yeah, that's what it felt like. I it came out. I'm like, I'm putting on the, I'm putting on a big rock show for people. And he's like, it was, it was spectacular, but yeah, you just can't come out in a Cape in Seattle. <laughs> Nobody can handle it. And yeah, I was like, it's too much. Yeah, right. Right. And I mean, that's not my scene either. Right? I'm not like normally wearing eyeliner. I don't normally wear a Cape. It was just like, this is new year's Eve. Why are you not wearing a Cape? Right. Anyway, so it feels like I'm waiting for, I mean, Elon Musk keeps doing interesting things, but he's not wearing a cape, no, you know? No, He ought to be wearing a cape. Elon Musk ought to start showing up at things in a cape. See, that's the whole, like, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And that yeah. it, it's some, I feel like if I had true wealth and financial independence, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying, I'm not saying like enough so that like I'm set for retirement. That's everybody wants that. That's like the goal really. But sure. I'm talking about the level that, like, you don't ever have to work again. Your children certainly won't have to work again. Perhaps your grandchildren, if you, if, if, if the money's invested well after you're gone, perhaps they also won't have to work. You'll encourage them to work. No, you'll require them to work so that they That's have right. a, a good, uh, a good, uh, you know, understanding of the world and, and sure, they, they earn to, their place. You have character. Damn right. But. That you you know that there's no longer you no longer need anything from anyone, right? You right. you want you want to go you want to contribute work do something fun donate money donate time travel, uh, still go to work and work hard every day whatever it's your choice you don't need anything from anyone anymore. That's the point where you put a cape on and just start yeah. wearing it around. That's right. You put on a cape. You and as maybe- soon as a problem with it, guess what? They don't have to interview you. Yeah, exactly. Guess what? Go to a different fundraiser for a museum. Right. Right. If you have a cape and maybe like a, like a cod piece. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, like a, like an Alex clockwork orange style. Like a clockwork orange cod piece and a cape. Yeah. And you can go to any party in the country. You could go to the white house. <laughs> yes. And it would just be like, well, he's a fucking billionaire. And, uh, and he invented the Tesla so yeah, yeah, I guess that's his costume now. I guess that's what we're that's what we have to deal with. I think and that's just, great, and they they never do it. No wealth about, and money about, is wasted on these. It's people. wasted. Thank you. Think about what Elvis wore to the White House right. when he went to meet Nixon. Yes, and he was stoned out of his mind on pills. 
and he's sitting there just stoned eyes wearing a rhinestone jumpsuit with a collar up around his ears. And Nixon was like, yeah, hi, Elvis. Welcome to the, you know, welcome to the White House. Didn't even bat an eye. That's the best. So what? He's the one guy who did that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Like, let's get some rhinestones going here. That's all I have to say. Where are the rhinestones? Yes. All right. Next box, Dan. All right. This, This show's going, going and going. Yep. We've got a lot of, boxes left i don't know if we're going to get to them all no, we'll episode. get to every one of them all right this next episode is from or i'm sorry this next box is from pasadena california sent by uh victoria herd and of the pasadena herds yeah and her company appears to be Safcell inc i imagine it might be pronounced safe cell but there's no e so it's s-a-f-c-e-l-l Safcell inc Again, in a priority mailbox, it has uh, these, it has a sealed airbag, but it's not the same kind we've been dealing with. This is literally called sealed air product care. So it's a little (laughs) bit of a rhyme. Yeah. Sealed air product care. And then inside that, there is another bag, a packing bag, unused, uh, Unused, like, um, what is that? Oh, it's it's a uh, it's like bubble wrap bag. Okay. Inside that, there is a present, like a wrapped, Christmas like a gift, style. a gift, it's like a gift present thing with a kind of plaid bow, and then a Christmas style box with a Christmas tree on it. The bow is hand tied. I am hand untying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the colors of the bow are sort of orange, red, and green, but with a dominant orange theme, which totally clashes with the box, which is like blue and red Christmas tree box. All right. And now opening the box, tissue paper. Lots of tissue. Inside the tissue is... Oh, my. Okay, now this combines. This is very unusual. It is a mounted animal head. Wow. It is a very small goat head mounted like a piece of taxidermy, except the goat head is knitted out of wool. And it is mounted on a, like a, like a, maybe a, a drink coaster sized slice of a tree branch complete with bark on the outside that's been shellacked. And the goat has little horns that are made of little sort of maybe gold painted sticks that kind of resemble pretzel sticks. And the goat has little teeny buttons for eyes and a little pink thread nose. It sounds adorable. I, there is a, there is a trend of these things that where they are doing it's, I think it's called crochet taxidermy. It is spectacular. And then on the back, there is a tag that says handmade by Vicky Ticky Tabby. And Vicky Ticky Tabby is an internet friend, uh, 
both a Facebook and a um, Twitter friend that I've had for many years on the internet. And that is a fair, and it says handmade by her. So this is not a, this is not a store-bought thing. It is lovely. I, I must say I'm very jealous of this one. It's wonderful. And here's what's weird. So it's, it's knitted out of like raw wool. Seems like maybe even unwashed wool. Very much sort of similar to the owl pillow, but the way that it's mounted on the, the slice of grained tree branch with the bark, that is exactly what the little prune man is standing on. Whoa. Except the prune man is standing on a piece of birch tree branch. And the little taxidermied goat is on what appears to be some, what would I call that? Well, I'm not an expert, but I'm going to say that it is maybe, maybe a, a, a pine or a, yeah, it's, I don't think it's a hardwood. I think it might be fir. Anyway, so t- pulling it out of the box, it's like, echoes of both of these other presents and then the little horns on the goat look like pretzels so cool uh that is going in a place of great honor in my home now that comes with a card the card has quite wonderfully it is a large postcard and it has a picture of a b-47 stratajet which i recognize from my Love of uh, U.S. Air Force, (laughs) uh, obsolete U.S. Air Force jets. This was like a very early jet bomber, the B-47 Stratajet. And uh, then flipping it over, uh, there's a little blurb about the Boeing B-47. It spawned a new age with its swept wings and six jet engines. It was in-air refuelable. These were the under-wing-mounted That's right. Jet engines on a pod. They were on pods. Okay. And then here's the letter. Hey, John Roderick. So see, she knows that she knows me. She knows that I know her. So it's much less formal. It's not like, hello, Mr. Roderick. Hey, John Roderick. Not sending this to you because I'm trying to promote a product. All right. So she's already saying this isn't some kind of, she's not trying to do some kind of deal here. (laughs) They're too labor intensive to charge a reasonable price for them. Oh, sounds like it's really hard to make this. This is too nice to even charge. You can't, it's it there. You can't price this thing priceless. It's priceless. basically. So I just make them for friends when they express an interest. Um, I can never repay you for your music. Wow. Hi to Merlin. Happy holidays, Vicky. Well, that's very pretty nice. That's pretty nice. Pretty nice. She didn't say anything about Dan, but you know, well, she's still, we're still getting to know each other. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. I'm going to say hi to you from Vicky Dan. <laughs> she's, Vic, you know, she, Vicky, Tiki Tavi. Vicky, Tiki Tavi is her, uh, that's her internet. That's her secret internet name. Oh, and, uh, you know, she is a great util- utilizer of the internet. She does a she does a good job of sort of curating her feed and also commenting 
intelligently and interestingly on on other people's threads and stuff. She's a she's a denizen of the space. And now she has made me this priceless item. Oh, and also on the handmade by Vicky Tiki Tavi tag, there is an engraving of a mongoose. Can you imagine why? It is the Ricky Tiki Tavi. Yeah, the Ricky Tiki Tavi and the mongoose and the story of the cobra. It is the little mongoose. So that is her emblem. That's like her thing. Which I've never seen that before, but obviously her familiar is a mongoose. Mm-hmm. Do you have a familiar? Ah, that's a good question. Or a spirit animal or... So I, I oscillate between the raven and the raccoon. I, I, I often feel like uh, the raven is my spirit animal, but then the raven does not seem to want to be accorded that honor, right? Like I say to the ravens all the time, like, you are my spirit animal. And then they like drop whatever button they were bringing and fly away. And I'm like, was that for me? And they say nothing. So I don't feel like I have successfully made, made one of them my spirit animal. And I, I, I don't think that your, I don't think your relationship with your spirit animal can be that you are standing there looking up at them flying away and feeling like some sort of They should come loss. when you call them or they should land majestically something. on your outstretched arm or something Something. Like that. You should feel more. And also, ravens are very social and I'm sort of marginally social. Then the raccoon is much more like sort of akin to me, right? It lurks around in the night, kind of. It's, it appears to be friendly, but you're not sure that you want to put your finger in its mouth. <laughs> you know, it kind of crawls around. It can open doorknobs, right. which I also can do. Yeah, yeah I see the similarities. Um, How do you one, find, I mean, did you choose the animal yourself or is it, do you feel like, how did you figure out that one of these two could be your animal? Well, because I'm always interacting with. Right. Like, I don't feel like you can have a spirit animal that you don't interact with. If your spirit animal is like a, like a whale shark or something, how do you know that? Yeah. How do you know that your spirit animal is a lion? Really? Have you ever like spent any time with a lion? It seems unlikely. But ravens and raccoons, I have spent long hours with. Uh, Raccoons, I often meet in the dark of the night and corner in such a way that they can't get away because I have stuff to talk to them about. And I sit and I talk to them and I say, shh, it's okay. It's all right. I just have some things that I want to just run by you. Yeah. And the raccoons sit and they kind of do that little head bob thing they do with their hands yeah, kind of yeah. waving around and they're just doing their little snake charming mm-hmm. thing. And they don't, they don't, they very seldom hiss at me and try to get away. They just kind of say like, all right, you've got me here. Um, what do you got to say? We chit chat and it's very seldom conclusive, right? They're just like, okay, right. Message received. Can I go? Which again, feels like, I don't know. Is that, is that what you want your spirit animal to do? <laughs> just be like, like patient with you. No, seems, seems not. seems like you want more out of them. And then the Ravens I'm talking to constantly and they also appear to be talking to me, but I'm not sure if they're not like then going back and talking to their friends about me in a way that where they, where they're not showing me as much respect as I think I'm due. 
<laughs> Certainly, I mean, five times a week I get forwarded that that uh, that profile of that little girl that made friends with those ravens, and they're bringing her little buttons and and rocks and little animal bones and stuff. Right. She's got this whole collection, and people keep sending it to me like, "Have you seen this?" And I'm like, "Yes, I've seen it." It's, it took place in Seattle. These these are my ravens. But because she's a little girl, they feel, I guess, you know, or she was she was much more dutiful about mm-hmm. establishing her relationship with them, whereas I'm kind of, you know, more insouciant. <laughs> uh, but anyway, as far as I know, no raven has ever brought me a button. Mm-hmm. Or if they have, they've they've dropped it in such a way as uh, so that I come out and I'm like, Oh, look at this button. And I pick it up and put it in my pocket. I I don't make the connection. (laughs) So yeah. So anyway, (laughs) that's my spirit animal thing. You know, I don't feel like what are the other animals I've had a lot of encounters with Uh, dogs and cats. I don't feel like either of those are my spirit animal. No rodent is equal to it. Mm. Like mountain goats they don't appear to have much going on in the like, let's chill department. Right. I spent a lot of time with moose and also in the night, right here, the moose are out walking around at night. I'm out walking around at night. You encounter a moose. I mean, you have to give them plenty of respect, but I just seem like an obstacle to them. So what, what are a bear? I mean, I guess I kind of resemble a bear, but that doesn't make them my spirit animal. Yeah, if you don't feel a connection. I mean, frankly, I think a golden dragon, a small gold dragon might be my spirit animal, but those are those are are imaginary. Yeah, cryptozoological animal. That's right, right. A Cthulhu. Yeah. But I don't think a Cthulhu. But that's not an animal, really. Yeah, thank you. So anyway, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Do you have a spirit animal? Uh, I don't think so. Is it the, like a taco or something? No, I mean, I want one. I really want one. Yeah. I mean, are you supposed to pick something that you feel like, is it, do you go say, well, I, I kind of feel like I look like this thing or its behavior is similar or, 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 or is it the animal you're most afraid of in some way? I don't honestly know. Uh, what the criteria for a spirit animal uh, are. And I feel like we should go look this up and then on our next episode, revisit the spirit animal talk. Because like, if you're talking about spending time, the animal I spent the most time with have been like cats that we've had. And I do not feel like my spirit animal is a cat at all. Well, no. And like owls obviously appear to me in dreams. Right. And whenever there's an owl in the neighborhood, I'm, I always am trying to find it, but of course you can never find them. They're up there going, and you're like, where are you? And we, we found one of those. We went for a walk on Christmas Eve, the whole family. And there were lots of owls out. And we, we got kind of, got pretty close to one of them. That was, it was up in a tree and we were able to figure out which tree it was in. And we actually got to see it. I guess it eventually just got fed up with these creatures below it making all this noise and shining their iPhone lights up toward it mm-hmm. that it eventually vacated the tree and we got to see it just silently fly just fly away. And it was a, what I believe was a Texas horned 
owl, which is a fairly large, beautiful owl. A famous one. Yeah. The Texas horned owl. Yeah. But like to say that an owl is my spirit animal, I think would be um, fairly presumptuous, right? Like an owl is keeping its own counsel. It's like saying your spirit animal is a bald eagle. Right. Like, really? Yeah. You are so fucking majestic that a bald eagle cares about you? Right. Like a bald eagle can grab a 20-pound salmon out of the water. Yeah. Like, it's just the salmon is swimming. It's its own majestic creature, and the eagle can just swoop down and, like, pow, grab yeah. it. That, that, is, that is your spirit animal, you person who sits at a computer all day? I don't believe it. I do not believe it. I think you would have to be like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant to warrant a spirit animal of that caliber. And that most people's spirit animal are like a guinea pig or an earthworm or, you know, like what is seriously, what do you, what do you deserve? And in that case, I feel like my spirit animal is probably a marmot. Maybe a marmoset. <laughs> I, if it's no. a mar, if it's a marmot, then I'm like those are okay. very different animals. Yeah, but a marmoset. If that's my spirit animal, I'm I feel like pretty proud. Yeah, the marmoset. If I'm remembering this right, it's a very small, very small handheld monkey. Mm-hmm. A is marmot that- is like a, 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 a weasel or a ferret. Right. But in that family. Yeah, right. So a marmoset is a, is a monkey. Mm-hmm. And a marmot is a, is a rodent. Right. Is a fairly big rodent, like a, like a burrowing, like a beaver-sized yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a big thing. And now a marten, a tree marten, is like a small wolverine that lives in the trees. Is it? I thought a tree martin was a bird. I think I'm, I mean, I'm going to, I'll go with your answer, but. I feel like a martin is a, um, oh no, it's not martin, it's martin. Martin? A martin is like a, is like a, uh, like a tree, tree. Well, those are cute. Tree weasel. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of these things. Well, they're very cute, but they're also like fierce. Oh, it's a yeah, pine martin, not a tree martin. They're like fierce little, little rar. Mm. Like I feel like a like a pine martin might be even more than a marmoset. What I was talking about, because yeah, like, yeah a marmoset is a monkey, and I feel like eh, if you're gonna have a monkey as a familiar, you might as well have a ferret. But a <laughs> but a martin, pine martin, ferocious but cute little tree dwelling weasel. But not I like I mean, these are not words I would use to describe you, as not I know stinky you. Weasel. Well, but I feel like it's a thing I could employ. Like, like you'd a, like, have you'd have one with you. Yeah, if you have like a, a familiar, Pokemon, it's a thing that maybe can do things that you can't do. Right. Right. So, like, hey, uh, fuck with me one more time, and my fucking Pine Martin is going to bite your nose off. <laughs> like that seems like that's where you would want a bald eagle. Like, hey, do you want my eagle to go after you, or do you want to shut up for a second? That's so it, maybe a familiar, a familiar is not a pet. It's right. like a help. It's like an animal helper, a helper. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, you know, I used to donate my old cars to the monkey helper people that trained capuchin monkeys to be service animals to people with disabilities so that you could have a capuchin monkey that could actually, like, take your food out of the refrigerator, put it in the microwave, push the right button, and then, like, bring you the food. Like, train a monkey all the way to do all that stuff. Yeah, like in Planet of the Apes when all the dogs and cats were gone. You know, it's been a long time since I saw Planet of the Apes. So oh, I'm you've got to sure. see these movies again. I've been watching them with my boy. Uh, skip the terrible uh, Tim Burton one. Does that? That's like the Third Godfather. It doesn't exist. Well, which is the one with Marky Mark in it? That's the one. Don't oh, watch that one. All right, don't watch. Don't it. watch that one. That one did not happen. Okay. Okay. Good. But the but all the ones with Roddy McDowell. Yes, those are okay. the those are the good ones. The first uh, there's four or five of those. And then the, the two newer ones, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, also both, I think, fairly good. Oh, really? Yeah. I actually really enjoy them. We've watched them. Once my son gets on a kick, he'll watch the movies over and over and over and over and over and over again. And indeed, these are, they, they like, certainly I wouldn't say that the effects were good back then, <laughs> but... Uh, there, there. You're no, you're not watching them for the effects. Like, there's one scene. I hope I'm not spoiling it. Where I, I believe it's in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, uh, where uh, Ricardo Montalban, oh yes, starring as Armando, Armando is. Uh, I don't want to ruin, you know, one of the surprises, but he winds up going out through a plate glass window. Uh-oh. And to sort of save money on the effects, it's it's not even, you don't really even see him crashing through the window. You see a sort of blurred image <laughs> of, of, of glass cracking. And then a discussion of how he's now has, is, has, has died and how they That's will cover so, it up. So they were trying to save money by not breaking a piece of glass? Not having him go through the glass not showing him go through the class, not showing him falling, not showing him dead on the ground, just simply the implication of him. You see him moving quickly across the room, and then there's an, another image of glass, and then an, a cut to another scene where the in, in intelligent ape, Caesar, is now overhearing a conversation that Armando has died. So it's it's even low budget for their standards. Sure, a little underwhelming. Yes, but uh, the the plots hold up well, and then the new movies, uh, uh, where uh, Rise and Dawn are, I think, very well done. I didn't like them when they first came out, but watching them again with my son, I really enjoyed it, and I highly recommend these movies. There's there's uh, there's some entertainment value to be had there. All right, good. I will revisit the whole franchise. Yeah. Now, Dan, I have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do three because there, there are. There's a postcard and two envelopes. And although those technically are the smallest of the gifts, I feel like I feel like I can read them because they probably are just messages of. I don't feel like we did 25 packages though. Oh no no no! There are a ton of packages. All right. But I'm just for skipping today. ahead. Yeah, for today. Skipping ahead because it seems like we're past two hours now and people are going to start to say like, this is like an unboxing video, except it goes on forever and 
and every every one of these things like for whatever reason john is describing the packaging and yeah why, why does he feel like that's necessary to i think do? it's necessary but well it's just how it, it's just how my brain works but anyway i'm going to do these three letters and then uh and then we can i don't know if you have another ad read you want to do or nah. yeah okay uh let's just uh, read these letters and then we can uh then we can resume this package opening effort on our next show. Great. Also, just to reiterate, uh, these packages were sent to my office at 815 Seattle Boulevard, Office 332, Seattle, Washington, 98134. If in listening to this, you feel like, you know what? My artisanal cookie should be featured in this program. That's the address. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. It's 815 Seattle Boulevard, Office number 332. Seattle, Washington, and that's nine eight one three four nine eight one three four. Okay, so the postcard is a picture of the the Eads Bridge in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, which appears to be a um, a reinforced iron bridge with brick stanchions. Okay, a bridge of a certain era, I would say, you know, late nineteenth century bridge. And um, not a railroad bridge, but a but a car people bridge. I think not unclear. Uh, let's see what it says. Oh, 1874. So yeah, mid late nineteenth uh, century. Captain James B. Eads, a self taught engineer, proposed a bridge of large piers and steel arches with an overall length of six thousand feet. The piers would rest. Oh, this is indicating that maybe. Oh wait. Okay, let's just keep reading. The piers would rest on bedrock some 135 feet below water level and twice as deep as anything ever attempted at the time. Uh, discerning listeners will know that St. Louis, Missouri, the waterway there is the Mississippi River. That do, it's not indicated here on the card. It doesn't say Mississippi anywhere on it, but we, we can deduce that this bridge is over the Mississippi. During its seven-year construction, five hard hat divers were killed and 20 more impaired by the bends. So it was so deep in the Mississippi that they got the bends and died. Such was their faith in engineering, says this postcard. This postcard is, is <laughs> implying that 25, that 20 people uh, were deeply injured and five died due to their faith in engineering rather than because they were getting paid to do a dangerous job. All right, here's what the postcard says. It's written, in, okay, now this is very interesting. It's written in cursive handwriting. Do you still write in cursive handwriting? I'm incapable of it. I would be curious to know how many of our listeners still employ cursive, like, and I'm talking about pure cursive, not half cursive, half right, broken, broken letters. I, I pretty much just print in all caps, which I've read as a sign of, uh, of, of, of insanity, mm, all caps, all caps, yeah. but not, not like tiny, which is a different kind of insanity, but just like, because when I, I had drafting classes in high school and I learned how to print really, really nice uppercase letters. So I, as I've sort of lost my ability to write effectively in cursive, I've switched to that. Well, so I'm going to have to take my glasses off to read this because it's, is it the tiny printing? 
No, no, no. It's it's fairly large, but it, it is it's in someone's distinctive cursive handwriting. So, uh-huh. for instance, he has even made, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna guess that this is a, a a male person. He has even done like the cursive J. So rather than just draws a J, he's done the cursive J, which is a big loop and then a bottom loop, and you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, cursiving. All right, he says, dear John. I enjoy hearing you discuss why and then unintelligible word. And part of the reason it's unintelligible is both the G and the Y from hearing you on the line above go down and interfere with this word because he makes very long tails. (laughs) His Y and his G have like exceptionally long tails. Wow. So that they're down like kind of scribbling through this word. I enjoy hearing you discuss why, and the word looks like it could be whales or unties or uncles, undies. Let's say undies for now. I enjoy hearing you discuss why undies were funded, functed, found, founded, junk. Functed in certain <laughs> locations on our uh, Roderick on the line. So let's repeat. I enjoy hearing you discuss why undies were functed in certain locations on be. Roderick on the line. Let's let's keep reading and see if we can extrapolate. All right, back. Please enjoy this postcard of the Eads Bridge, which spans, which spans the reason for my city's growth, the mighty Mississippi. So. He recognized that neither the picture nor the, the uh, caption mentioned the Mississippi. And he said, I'm going to include that fact, that factoid. Regards, Ed Plocker. Now, Ed Plocker. is also something I know from the internet. And a person that I like. I enjoy his comments and I enjoy his participation in uh, various uh, humorous and informative uh, threads on the interwebs. Let's go back and try and figure out that first sentence. I enjoy hearing you discuss why something were. Oh, here we go. You got it? Yeah. I enjoy hearing you discuss why cities were founded in certain locations. All right. Not Roderick on the line. Not why undies were functed. No. But why cities were founded. In certain locations, which is a which is something that I really enjoy, as you might have noticed by me stipulating that it was on the Mississippi before. Yeah, that matters to me. That stuff, right? And so he says, "Please enjoy this postcard of the Eads Bridge, which spans the reason for my city's growth." There you go, Mississippi. So there it is. That's that is the why and the where of it, and I do like this bridge very much. If you look at the postcard view of um, the the sort of the face of St. Louis in 1875, you can almost see the present city, but really the present city has done a fairly bad job of ma- maintaining this view. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of bad buildings and cement and traffic 
But it looked great in 1875. Let's just say that. Thank you, Ed, for the thoughtful, um, the thoughtful postcard. I'm sorry I had a hard time reading your handwriting. Well, you know, we're not used to that anymore. We're, we never well, see it. Exactly right. He's writing in cursive. Right. It's like old. It's like old timey. He might as well have like soaked the paper in uh, in tea and cooked it in an oven and scorched the edges and rolled it and bound it with twine and sealed it with some sealing wax. Are you are you giving away your secret for making ransom notes and treasure maps look like they're from a hundred years ago? I mean, you know, not all my secrets. <laughs> okay, so uh, that, that actually Ed, that has inspired me. I think that the next few times I write a longhand correspondence, I'm going to try and remember how to write in cursive and I'm going to write in cursive. Uh, the next letter is, it comes in a purple envelope Ooh. and it has a full color photograph of Betty Page. Ooh, on the front. Nice. Betty Page. I already in, like this one best. Yeah. She's in a purple bra and panty set. She's wearing thigh high sheer black stockings continue, and continue. Let me say, matching uh, above the elbow sheer black gloves. Mm. Ele- a Glo- touch of elegance. That's right. Gloves matching her stockings. <laughs> she's wearing uh, black pumps, but she's she's in a position where she's on one knee with. She's like kind of in the position that you would be in if you were going to ask somebody to marry you, like on bended knee. All oh, right, right, right. But she's facing the camera, and she is playing she playfully sort of teasing her hair with her two gloved hands with i mean having seen as we all have many many pictures of betty page she has maybe the most genuine smile on her face that i've ever seen in a betty page photo like she doesn't appear to be doing her seductive pose she's like whoever this photographer is whatever this session was back in the times She's enjoying herself. The photographer has made her genuinely laugh or she's found something amusing in, in life at that moment to really give, to put some, uh, some genuine like smile behind her smile. All right. And it is from Gabriel pillar or it's not pillar because it's with an E. So Gabriel pillar. And this is even more interesting from St. John's. Newfoundland, Canada. Now, you know, I'm sure, let me, let me just make sure of a thing here. Just making sure it's PG 13. Well, I mean, it's pretty sexy on the back of the envelope. He has drawn a, Ballpoint pen X across the seal. So that you'd know if it, if it was tampered with. Oh, I see. All right. It's All like right. what That's... they do with, with a, underneath a boxer's uh, gloves. Once they tape them up, you got the, the guy certifying that it's, you know, he doesn't have a bra- pair of bra- brass knuckles taped under there or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's made an X. Now I'm sure you know about uh, Newfoundland. That Newfoundland is, you know, kind of uh, within Canada is the area that is sort of the butt of jokes, right? People from Newfoundland are known as Newfies. I did not and know that. They, the Canadians tell jokes to the effect of like, how many Newfies does it take to change a light bulb, et cetera, huh. that type of thing. Huh. But in World War I, 
the uh, the volunteers from Newfoundland fought very, very heroically in the trenches in Belgium. And uh, there's a there's a sort of scene there uh, along the trench line where like thousands of uh, Newfoundlanders sacrifice their lives in this enormous bloody battle. And they are commemorated there as sort of a, I mean, it's, it's not unusual, I guess, to commemorate like, oh, the Anzac troops or the, you know, this particular brigade or the band of brothers or whatever, but the Newfoundlanders played an enormous role in Canada's participation in World War One, And so whenever I hear someone disparage or denigrate the mighty people of Newfoundland or Labrador, I feel like I need to straighten them out. So here is a letter. The letter is on Betty Page stationery. Oh, so this, wow. There's this, a theme running through this. This man has got either a Betty Page, Gabe has got either a Betty Page thing or thinks I have a Betty Page thing. Well, you do now. On the, on the photograph now, she's also kind of kneeling down, which is one of her famous poses. She's now wearing a white lace brawn panty set and white above the elbow gloves, but the same black sheer stocking. She's teasing her hair with one hand whilst kind of appearing to slap her own bottom. And she's looking over her shoulder with a smile that is, that does seem more or less genuine, certainly seductive, friendly eyes, but not, not quite the, 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 like the genuine, like laughing smile of the, of the envelope. And then, on the front, so the back of the letter with the pic, with her picture is kind of seafoam green, but the front is different shades of pink candy striped like you are at a Farrell's ice cream parlor. Mm. Hi, John. Please find enclosed some Nazi stamps. What? Whoa. Nazi stamps. This, this juxtaposition of Betty Page and Nazi stamps is thrown you for a little bit of a loop. I can tell well, because it makes one think how many times in human history has an envelope of Nazi stamps been delivered to somebody in a, a, a in a Betty Page branded. I mean, maybe maybe more than once, but not more than five times. Right. There's 300 million. <laughs> People in I don't America. know. I think I think this might just be a first. There's six billion people in the world. It's been seventy years since the Nazis. So, and not even that. How long has how long has Betty Page been on stationery? Yeah, the really. Twenty five, thirty years, maybe. So, in that time, all those people, all that many opportunities. How many times has a set of Nazi stamps arrived? Now, in for, this kind of forgive picture? my ignorance on this matter, but do you have? A lot of Nazi paraphernalia? None. Yeah. I am, you know, I'm obviously a student of World War II, but I have no Nazi anything. Do you want Nazi paraphernalia? Well, you know, it's, let's, let's keep reading the letter and we'll All see. Right. <laughs> Please find and close some Nazi stamps. I hope you find them of interest. Okay, yeah. so he, is, he recognizes that they are, he's not saying I hope you like them. 
but I hope you find them of interest. So that bodes well. I would like to point out that these stamps are intended for historical study slash professional curiosity and for no other purpose. Right. Right. So he is conscious of the fact that Nazi, Nazi memorabilia is problematic, but then he, with that last little bit, the for no other purpose, he's kind of putting more restriction on me than I normally, you know, like it's a gift. You can't really stipulate that I use it for no other purpose. I think you, I think in this study. case that you can professional curiosity, but I, but I see, I'm not arguing with him yet because he, there's a whole other paragraph. <laughs> I would also like to take this opportunity to really thank you for all the great shows and underlined all twice. They are amongst the few shows I regularly and heartily. Uh, he has, he's also writing in cursive. What is going on today? His cursive is more like, Sometimes it's in cursive. Sometimes like he doesn't, he didn't go to all the trouble to connect his R's to his T. Mm. Right. He like, he tries to make like a lowercase R, like a printed R. So like in heartily, he goes cursive H cursive E cursive A and then stops at the R lowercase R and then starts again. T I and then stops, doesn't connect the I to the L. So it's like, it's a hybrid cursive. Amongst the few shows I regularly and heartily recommend to my peers. Please say hello to Dan and Merlin from me. All the best, Gabriel Pillar. P.S. Although I am writing to you on Betty Page, and then he makes a little trademark sign. On Betty Page, trademark, branded stationery. I should like to point out that I am a man. I would think that would only be proof that he was a man. Right. But again, he is from Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a cultural. Uh, I would like to point out that I am a man. Sometimes this confuses people as I have had a. uh, Oh, which because I have a name which looks feminine. Only to people who don't understand that Gabriel is a fairly famous male name right there's even an angel he's an archangel yeah. let's be honest yeah top seriously. sort of a top angel it's like you get promoted to that yeah okay uh he has a name that looks feminine let's assume looks feminine to people from New- newfoundland or labrador right just for the sake of clarity really he says okay well it's clear to us now all right now let's take a look at these things they're in a tiny little envelope it looks like they came from some kind of auction how can you tell well it's it's a little envelope that has like a lot of little writing on it there's a catalog price selling price oh, interesting. a lot of a lot of things are crossed out on it the letters m n h are there uh the number is 820-22 times 1.50 there are two X's crossed out and then 603 is crossed out and four euros and then a zero 9.5 all crossed out. The envelope is sealed, but also ripped. Mm-hmm. 
All right, should I open this? Yes. There are one, two, three, four stamps. And very interestingly, three of the stamps have, um, you know, were part of a sheet of stamps and they still have a portion of the sheet. Oh, interesting. Very well preserved. Yep. They're all in perfect, flawless condition. This one, Deutschreich, it has an eagle uh, that has like this, the crest of Germany on the front of the eagle, and the eagle is clutching a swastika. Mm -hmm. I it know appears, the image you're talking about. Yeah, but it's not, the eagle's wings are not outstretched. Oh, really? The eagle's wings are bent. Sort of downward. Downward. Yes, I've seen that one too. It appears to be th 30, what I would guess is Fennings, not 30 Deutschmarks, but 30 Fennings. And it says, I cannot, oh, oh. I think this was meant to be used in Czechoslovakia and Moravia, but I can't quite, it says Sonman Vermaren Chechia or Czechia a Morava. Hmm. So that may be a stamp from outside of Germany for the, from the occupation of Czechoslovakia. Right. Now this next one, has a man in what appeared to be like military riding clothes. He's blowing a, he's blowing a horn, like a curved, not a French horn, because it's just a, it's like a bugle, but with a big bell. He's wearing a hat with a feather in it. It says Deutsches Reich, big, big number three and a little number seven, three plus seven. There's an enormous map of Europe, all of Europe, on this. It isn't specified how much of it is part of the Deutsches Reich. The implication being that the entire thing yeah, is the, the whole thing. Yeah. And it says, Europeischer Post Congress Vienna, 1942. Okay, so that's Austrian. The next picture is of. A four-engined Henkel bomber flying over what I think might be the main Luftplatz, whatever that airport was in Berlin, the famous um, Berlin airport. It says 1919 Deutscher Luftpostdienst. 1944. So from 1919 to 1944. So this is from late in the war. Gross Deutsches Reich. And it has a six plus four on it. And the last one has a seaplane. The seaplane has a swastika on the tail. It is 
a stylized seaplane, not any seaplane that ever existed, but a kind of like socialist realist Nazi style art seaplane flying over a boat. But then above the seaplane is that strange stylized winged bird that I think is still the symbol of the German post office. Really? I mean, it's a winged bird that I have seen in modern times. It's very stylized. It doesn't look like a bird. It's just sort of a winged swoop. And it true says it too says 25 yar Deutscher Luftpostdienst 1919 to 1944. Gross Deutsches Reich. And that this one is 12 plus eight. So I have to assume that's more postage. And those are the four stamps. Aren't those amazing? For them to have made it all this time and to have been like so late in the war. Right. Very curious. Thank you uh, so much for these. They are curiosities. I will not use them for any other purpose other than for study. (laughs) I will not try to mail a letter with them. Uh, Gabriel, I do not think you are a, a, a female. It never even occurred to me that he might be female. <laughs> and well, you know, the, and or that any uh, that 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 stationary choice wouldn't be very definitely something that a man would do. Uh, but I do understand that uh, you uh, people in Newfoundland and Labrador, you know, have a very different culture than the rest of us in North America. Right. All right. Now, the final letter for today's episode before we adjourn and take up the process of unwrapping these packages later. This letter is in, in a silver envelope and it is from Hurd and Shaw in what is described as NoHo, California. Now, what does that mean? What is NoHo? NoHo. N-O, N, capital N, lowercase O, capital H. North, North Hollywood. Okay. NoHo. Oh, right. NoHo, California. No when, did ho. They, when did they start calling it NoHo? That's got to be, that's got to be very recently. Home no. to the NoHo Arts District in the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. It's a neighborhood no. in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> NoHo. Ah, I like it. It was first named Toluca before being renamed Lancashire in nineteen in in eighteen ninety six, and finally North Hollywood in nineteen twenty seven. But then NoHo, surely, yeah. more recently, like let's <laughs> say in the in the last two years. <laughs> okay, now this is truly a Christmas card. It features a man and a woman, both dressed in Star Trek uniforms. But original Star Trek uniforms, not next generation. Yeah, not the crap ones. They're sitting cross-legged on what appears to be a, uh, a duvet. He is wearing red-tinted sunglasses. He has a beard and mussy hair. Mm-hmm. He most, making, most Starfleet officers, just like mm-hmm, that. <laughs> bearded and long, mussy hair. <laughs> right. Not long, but like over the years. Shaggy. Wearing like oval-framed dark red tinted sunglasses and he is making the live long and prosper hand sign. Right. But he does not, he's wearing sort of a Kirk shirt Mm. and does not appear to be repping that he is Vulcan. Okay. 
He's just like a bearded Kirk sitting Indian style as Kirk was known to do yes. uh, and making a live long and prosper symbol. And then uh, the, the, uh, the female character in this, and these are real people. This is their real Christmas card. She is absolutely wearing a Spock shirt. Okay. Blue, blue, blue with a kind of V neck. Right. She absolutely skirt. uh, She's wearing pants. She has Vulcan ears and has done her eyebrows in Vulcan style. Oh, good, good. good. She has Vulcan style eyebrows. And she actually is kind of kind of rocking a Betty Page haircut, frankly. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah. And she's holding a sign that says live long and prosper in case we didn't know. <laughs> just in case. Just in case anybody but was, receiving Is that their card. holiday Christmas message, perhaps? Well, I believe it is. Well, no. Underneath the picture is the following epigram. Whatever I have given, I have gained. Leonard Nimoy. So Leonard Nimoy, not in the character of Spock, but Leonard Nimoy himself said, whatever I have given, I have gained. Right. This is a Leonard Nimoy quote, a famous Leonard uh, Leonard Nimoy quote. That's right. And I recognize uh, these people. I must say, I recognize them from their photograph. I have firsthand knowledge of who these people are. And let me just spoiler alert before opening the card. The woman in this photograph is Vicky Ticky Tabby. Really? Yes. So I've, I've now received a Christmas card separate from the Christmas gift. And it's this strangely Star Trek Leonard Nimoy branded image. Now opening the card, it says, peace be with you. Merry Christmas, Vicky and Rick. And that is... The extent of it, it's a very, it's a very Star Trek themed gift. And why not? Which the, the, you know, her actual gift of the little, uh, taxidermy goat would not have given any indication of, right? Right. Having unwrapped that and talked about that, you never would have said, oh, and also Vicky and Rick are like either total Trekkies Mm. or prepared to do a comedy Star Trek themed Christmas card and fully commit to it all the way to like yeah. eye, eyebrow shaping. Whew. It's really interesting stuff you got. Dan, we've, this has been an epic program. Yeah. It's got to be our longest one, right? We are at about two and a half hours. You know, we are famous for having very long podcasts, but. Two and a half hours. I don't know. I'm looking through to see if we've gotten this far before. Two hours, eight minutes. Two hours, 25 minutes. That was episode seven, working out with logs. Mm-hmm. Nebish vulnerability was two hours and one minute. Two hours and three minutes pie from a stranger. A lot of two hour long podcasts. Yeah, I think this may just be the longest one. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, congratulations to us. Yeah, seriously. And let me say, uh, congratulations to everyone who sent some wonderful stuff, some swag, if you will, some <laughs> gifts. Right. Uh, there's, there's not a single bummer in this whole group no of gifts. No way. No way. I mean, you nope. couldn't have asked for a more varied 
interesting stuff to get. Right. And from all across North America, Canada, United States, we haven't had anything from Mexico yet and nothing from Europe or uh, Australia or New Zealand. But, you know, the stamps are from Europe. That's right. That's true. That's true. And presumably the little prune man, also from Europe. Also from Europe, by way of Alabama or whatever. That doesn't seem like something that that anyone in America would make. No. Uh, So, oh, eternal gratitude to everybody. Uh, Now looking at the... At the couch here, there are still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, at least eleven more packages. Mm. Um, and that is, I, I'm just eyeballing that. I haven't gone through and and properly sorted, so there may be more tucked down in there. Anyway, to all of you, and to you, Dan, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And uh, I can't wait to get to dig back in here. I'm sure we have other podcast business, including questions from from team members. Oh yeah, we got a lot. We're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make up for those four missing episodes. Oh, we'll we'll make up for it. 